Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. Hello everybody, it's Wednesday, October 24th, 2012, and you are listening to the Talking Comics Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Shortle, and I am in the house with Steve Say. Hi. Bob Ryer. Good evening. And that is all. (laughs) We are a three-man operation tonight, but we are for the first time in like three weeks sitting in my apartment recording this podcast. Yay! At our usual appointed time. Um been a busy couple weeks obviously you guys heard um all of our comic-con stuff and i want to thank everybody for supporting us we got great traffic at the site and great numbers downloads so guys thank you for uh checking out all that stuff and i hope you guys enjoyed uh the interviews and the articles and everything yes um (laughs) so this week uh we're gonna be talking about a lot of books because we haven't talked about books in in three weeks basically um we're going to talk about the Iron Man 3 trailer a little bit. Uh, we're going to talk about, we got some listener uh, stuff to talk about. And, uh, you know, just kind of catch up. Uh, so, <laughs> it works. Uh, Bob, in your time uh, since the con, what have you been up to? Trying to find places to hang all the stuff I bought. <laughs> and looking for sales on frames while I'm at it, too. It just gets, um, gets crazy. I don't know, you guys all bought stuff, too, right? And where, yeah. do, you, where do you start yeah. putting everything? Oh, I want this. I haven't even started yet. Okay. <laughs> I tried to find the tape measure in my house. I couldn't. I searched for about five minutes, and that's how easily I gave up. <laughs> I discovered this one frame I was buying from Michael's, which is a nice little cheap thing. All of a sudden, they've decided to change the way they make it like in the middle of me trying to frame stuff. Oh, good. Thanks. Now, I buy the cheap glued-on-the-cardboard version so it'll fall apart three weeks from now when the heat comes on. Yes. Oh. Um. Yeah, I, mean, I haven't even decided where we're going to put the art and where I'm going to do with it. I just haven't even uh, made that choice yet. Uh, but, um, yeah, and it, there's been so many books to catch up on. I had, like, a huge stack of books. Uh, I haven't even caught up yet because it took me so long to catch up on the last two weeks before that books. I'm still yeah. making my way, way through last week's books. Um, but we get a lot of books to talk about. Uh, before we get into our favorite books, I want to talk quickly about Point One. Uh, the Marvel okay. Now Point One came out, which uh, is you know much like the Point One issue that came out. I think last year. I think it yes. was. Uh, it gives you a brief um, introduction to the characters and stories that are going to have a live impact on the Marvel universe uh, going forward. Uh, you know, th- this one is. Treated much like an anthology in a lot of ways with the Secret Avengers story with uh, Nick Fury Jr., as he is now called, mm-hmm. and Agent Coulson interviewing a man uh, from the future who is warning him about some pretty bad stuff that that's going to happen. Uh, what did you think, Bob, of that story? I like the whole idea. Mm-hmm. I, I was really disappointed with this. I knew I was warned that I had to buy this because otherwise I wasn't going to be able to sort anything out mm-hmm. moving forward. 
And at $6, it was sort of, uh, really not happy. <laughs> but uh, it does link these all together in a way that is organic, mm-hmm. makes some sort of sense. We we're reintroducing uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. as a big player, which is always good to have. And you get Agent Coulson yeah. from the cinematic universe. Mm-hmm. Uh it's painless. It really is. Yeah. You know, it, it really, except for the chunk out of your wallet, it really is. It's a fun way to read these characters. And then you'll be able to pick. You may be able to save money moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. So, so, oh, maybe I don't like the tone of this or that. It's a good, it's a good point. Um, you know, we have a, a Secret Avenger story, a Garden, Guardians of the Galaxy uh, story, um, a Nova story, a New Avenger story, a Ant-Man, but an FF uh, story, um, and the Cable a cable mm-hmm. story. Uh, that's who we're introducing here. Uh, Steve, what do you think of the Secret Avengers, Nick Fury, uh, Agent Coulson story? Uh, I thought it was cool. I thought the setup of it was cool. I like the idea of like the omniscient dude coming in and just being like, mm-hmm. I know all this stuff that's going to happen. Yeah. You guys probably want to listen to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought Nick Fury's attitude towards him was a little strange. You mm-hmm. thought he would have taken it a little bit more seriously. Right. Um, but as far as how it, how it like linked all the stories together, I enjoyed that. Um, I don't know if I want to particularly follow up on that portion of the book. There were other parts of it that I liked much better. Yeah. Um, I wish that they had done a better job. I mean, even though I know some of like the one with the, the kid, um, and the invasion, I guess it was a Cree or there's something. Yeah. That's, that's the Guardians of the Galaxy yeah. prequel. Sorry. All right. That's yeah. the, Gar- oh, see, yeah, right, Star Lord. Cool. Yeah. That one I enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Um, the FF with that man was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, the young Avengers one was great. Yeah. Cause that's exactly the kind of humor and the kind of tone that I want from that book. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it had action. I was laughing. Mm-hmm. It had Loki. I, it's, you know, that's all good. Yeah. Who's Miss America? I'm lost. she's from she's like earth like she's from earth 212 Mm -hmm. a very distant earth and loki's pretty much like he's basically antagonizing his people into becoming a team Mm -hmm. he's baiting them okay he's our loki yeah he's He's making with the mischief and you know trying to basically pique everyone's curiosity to come and meet him back on earth to to be a part of this team that he's uh getting together yeah because the great thing about like doing loki in in uh during the mystery is he's you know he's trying to be a good guy now and but he's he's still using what made him such a great villain to yeah. now be a great good guy and he knows his reputation he knows people think he's bad mm-hmm. so he knows he has to kind of go about things a different way in order to be a hero which is an, inter- it's an interesting take on yeah. the character is he or loki now as a kid or yeah, is he yeah what happened okay. was loki died uh, to save Asgard is what happened, and uh, he was reborn in the body of a, a child. Um, and Thor went and, and and you know sought him out and found him, and you know he had to. Th- this boy didn't know that he was Loki. You know he had to discover the fact that he was Loki. Um, and actually, he has a bird named Ikol, yeah. who is actually the adult bad personality of Loki. It's in <laughs> this bird now, and it's kind of his anti-conscious in a yeah, lot of ways yeah. uh, it, it's a really kind of bizarre cool. but really cool story yeah um the other one that i that i enjoyed surprisingly was the nova portion of it yeah um it had a very light tone it was funny uh i have to admit when i turned the page and i saw the villain and i looked at him like visually i was like well who the hell is <laughs> yeah, this yeah, guy yeah. diamond head <laughs> like you're looking pretty lame there buddy <laughs> 
Um, but the conversations between the two of them and the the kind of like admitting humor that mm-hmm. they had about their situation was it it warmed me up to to the to the section of the book a little bit. It yeah. was it was fun. Mm-hmm. And it was very I liked the Nova character. He kind of reminded me a little bit of like a a Miles Morales that know already knows his spot yeah. in the in the Avengers is like I'll just go get my friends. Yeah, you know if you <laughs> yeah. really want to keep messing with me, I could do a lot worse than this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, well, Bob, what did you think of that uh, Nova story? It was very well done. Yeah. I I remember the Richard Ryder character that he's out after Diamond Head's out after here, yeah. but this it's again light in tone. Mm. Very well done. Very in keeping with what the old book was too. So I think they've hit a winner with that one. Yeah, I, I love the. St- I, I really love the st- the style. You know, it feels a little bit, a little bit not a little bit anime ish. I think the Nova looks slightly anime. To oh me. yeah, totally. Um, it's very Saturday morning cartoon. Yeah, speed lines and all the rest of it. Yeah, exactly, yeah. like you know, speed racer, but yeah. a superhero. And I think it looks cool. Um, I, I don't. It was so different in tone from the rest of the point one issue. I think it threw me off a little bit. I think once it's in its own book, I will be into it. But because it was surrounded by all these stories that, and not all of them were super serious. I mean, well, I want to talk about the Ant Man story, yeah. the FF story. What's so great about that story is what's going on is very serious. The reason why he's doing what he's doing is incredibly serious. Mm-hmm. You know, his daughter has been murdered by someone, and he's well, he wants revenge. Yeah. But the way he gets revenge is sort of hilarious and fun, yeah. and there's a good sense of humor to it. Um, what did you think of that story, Bob? Oh, that was great. Mm-hmm. Th- this is what FF is going to be. We're okay. in for a, a really fun ride because you, you do have that mixture. He, he's using that, I think, as his entry, you know, meaning Scott, yeah. to get to. I can't give anything away. To get to where he has to get to to really have revenge. Yeah, he'll mm-hmm. make himself so annoying <laughs> that he ends up doing what he has to do. Yeah. Absolutely, and I love that character. I, I, I'm, you know, the Ant Man stuff. I, I'm really excited for because I love the use of scale. I, I think it presents a very, very interesting visual tone to, to yeah, what's going to happen. Bits of perfume and dust mites, and yeah, that whole section was good when he's crawling in the eyelash. Yeah. It's like just another disgusting thing that lives on your body <laughs> or whatever, which I thought was really, really cool. Um, a question about the Secret Avenger story, and you probably know a little bit more okay. about this, Bob, than, than I would know about it. Now, this character, they, they haven't gotten rid of the white Nick Fury. This character isn't actually Nick Fury. They're, no. they're, he's like, it's almost like Where the James at, Bond yeah. thing, right? I'm just saying okay. it in general. Oh, okay. Um, it's almost like he's taken up the code name of Nick Fury. Now, he came around right in the Fear Itself storyline. I didn't read that. You didn't so read that? You, okay. Because yeah. I know he was, I think he was the lead in the Battle Scars okay. miniseries they did after... And, he, you know, they call him Nick Fury Jr. He's someone else. He's another another person that, that's now, you know, looks like Nick Fury and is kind of taking this man off. But, you know, from what they're talking about here, there's an, the other Nick Fury is still alive and out there. And yeah. they kind of allude to him in a shady way, you know. Uh, so I just want to worry about that. But this, um, the character that he's talking to here, it's never really explained who he is at this point, right? Not that I've seen. Yeah, okay. I just want to make sure that it wasn't a character that maybe had been around that I just didn't know about that they were hitting a lot with a lot of clues. There was a character years ago, George Washington Bridge. Okay. Which sounds ridiculous, <laughs> but um, but it's it's a guy with a beard. So it's just mm-hmm. it's it's a um, that's a really funny name. <laughs> yeah. I hope I have that right now that I've put it out there. Uh, who it was something to do with Shield? This goes back into the '80s when things started to get really complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, could be. It could end up being any one of these time traveling characters. There's a panel, oh, Immortus, Doctor Doom, well, who find everybody. 
Gotcha. Uh, Marcus Johnson is this guy's name. Uh, you, know, um, you know, he's Nick Fury's yeah. son. So that's why he's Nick Fury Jr. Okay. Uh, so there we go. I mean, it obviously is an attempt to make, you know, him look... I mean, this character's been around for a couple, you know, probably about a year now um, to, you know, make him look more like the Samuel Jackson version. Yeah. But uh, it's, you know, I think it's a cool a cool idea and I like the fact that Coulson's there. Um, the Star-Lord one, the Guardians of the Galaxy one, which is very much like a Close Encounters of the Third Kind situation mm-hmm. gone incredibly, incredibly wrong. Um, what do you think of that story? I like, like that a lot. Yeah. Just just for that reason. Very science fiction-y. You mm-hmm. get the little boy who ends up with this hideous yeah. weapon at the end. Yeah. <laughs> who's going to have a lot of stuff to do with it, I'm sure. Yeah. Just move forward. And it's it's exciting. I mean, it's exciting time to be starting a new Guardians of the Galaxy series, obviously, because the movie is coming out, and I think interest is highly peaked in it. Did you notice the uh, cameo on this page? Um, no, we're looking at the Nova story here. Yep. Uh, oh, it's uh, it's Superman. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you know what was really awesome about the Guardians of the Galaxy one was there's hardly any dialogue. Yeah. So it's just, it's the only portion of the book where there's several pages where there's not too much dialogue, but so much transpires. Yeah. So I love, I love stuff that can just tell a story with pictures. And I have to say, pretty much, bar none, and you know, across the board, the art in the book is pretty great, and I think they all fit. Uh, you know, very, very well yeah. that they're doing. Obviously, I think the all red stuff is the standout stuff, but that's just because his style is so different. Uh, incredibly excited about Young Avengers because it just it feels like an extension of Journey into Mystery, which is a book obviously that we have extolled the virtues of many, many times. I mean, the one story we really haven't talked about yet is the is the Cable story uh, with Forge. Me. <laughs> <laughs> it, it it was the most most confusing of the stories. Me being not a big Cable person and really only getting little bits of him here and there. Uh, he's the character I'm least interested in in, in reading about. Uh, I mentioned Bob off-air that the the machine, while it obviously isn't, is kind of reminiscent of the machine in uh, the Defenders, Defenders that's, been, that's been happening. Uh, I think the art in the, in the story is very, very good, and, and I, I, I thought it was entertaining. It's just very confusing. Like, you know, the fact that, like, oh, that, this, that was my brain, wasn't it? It, it just... Without the connective tissue, it didn't make as much sense to me. Maybe right. people have been reading Cable for a long time. It makes total sense to them, but... Uh, and, and, and Forge, has, has he been around in the X-Books? Because he, he's back 80s, 90s. Yeah, he was in um, the X-Sanction book, you know, a little bits here and there. Uh, but, you know, I haven't been... He's not in... Um, I don't believe he's in either Uncanny or Wolverine and the X-Men. I don't believe, but again, there's so many characters in those books that yeah. sometimes keeping track of all the people in it is tough. Uh, overall, I, I thought it was a really, really good read. Now, you know, it is six dollars, which is a lot of money for a comic. It's, a, you know, it's and people who haven't seen it. It's a sizable, it's, it's hefty book. Uh, I think they would have been better served making it cheaper. You know, just so I mean, even if it had been five dollars, it would have been, it would have been fine. Um, As an in-house ad, basically, this could have been a four-dollar book too. Yeah, they it, could it have very easily just put it out there and said, "Hey, you know, we, we get some sales out of this." Yeah. It could have, and I, I know, listen. I'm sure that you can pick up the number ones of a lot of these books, and you won't have to have read this book. Yeah. But I'm sure it's going to give more flavor to what's going on. Mm-hmm. You basically paid. You paid a dollar uh, a preview. Yeah. Is what it is. Yeah. It's, that's it's like paying for it. trailers on uh, iTunes or some shit. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, that's a good point. Uh, interesting here, though, which I did not realize is uh, Guardians of the Galaxy is actually going to have a zero issue. It's the only one of the Marvel Now books that's going to have a zero issue. So I don't know if it's, it might be a direct continuation of what we saw with the young Star-Lord. Oh. 
uh, which you know c- could be pretty cool. I- I'm I'm excited. About- this book got me more excited about uh, you know like the Nova book and the Secret Avengers book a little bit more too, and the Guardians of the Galaxy thing got me a little more excited. I was already excited enough about FF and Young Avengers. Right. Guardians, I probably wasn't going to buy until yeah. this. I'm definitely going to give it a couple a sh- couple of shots. Yeah. I-, I like the tone of it. I- I'm. And it, you know, if, even though it's a series that's been around for a while, I, I, that series I do feel like I'm jumping in, in on the ground floor mm-hmm. in in a lot of ways. So I'm excited about that. I don't know how far into Rocket Raccoon I'm going to get, but I'll give it a shot. <laughs> <laughs> Strikes me as a little goofy. Right, but sometimes you can turn goofy into something pretty good. If you if it stays kind of goofy, if yeah. he's going to be a serious bounty hunter raccoon, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. You can got always a chip on more, his shoulder. More bounty hunter raccoons. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's the Marvel Now stuff. I mean, but let's talk about some other books that came out that we liked. Bob, why don't you talk about some books that you loved oh, the last couple weeks? Let's see. Right off the bat, besides getting into old sort of shenanigan kind of books, I love Dark Avengers. Okay. Uh, we're getting to the end of this whole storyline. The books are going to split back apart again. It's a whole, they've been time traveling. The Thunderbolts have been bouncing all over the place and met Dr. Doom at some point. I can say it now. I kept it hidden for months <laughs> and months. They're back here now. And the Dark Avengers, the, you know, the sort of clone Thor, and the, 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 they're, they're on a mission that unfortunately they don't realize will create the dystopian future that the Thunderbolts just came from. Mm-hmm. So they're here trying to stop it, as is Luke Cage, who's written so great here by Jeff Parker and has been for all these months. Uh you got some really nice touching moments near the end. I'm not going to give anything away for people who want to read this because it is the sort of next to last one, I guess. I, I'm shocked. Once they changed the title, I was concerned about this book, but I shouldn't have been because they kept with Jeff Parker. So Dark Avengers 182 is a must buy. Speaking of Jeff Parker, before we move on to something else, yeah. uh, Red She-Hulk, which was uh, the kind of less heralded Marvel Now book that came out a couple weeks ago yeah. when Uncanny Avengers uh, hit the shelves. Um, Jeff Parker, obviously writing it, just continuing his... Hulk run. It switched mm-hmm. from Red Hulk now to this. Um, what do you think of Red She-Hulk, Bob? What do you think? Were you excited about the change over to Red She-Hulk yeah. before it happened? Only having read Red She-Hulk as part of the Defenders. Okay. Because otherwise, I probably wouldn't have bothered. I'm tired of Blue Hulks and Gray Hulks, <laughs> and I just like the Green Hulk and it's Bruce Banner, and mm-hmm. that's not coming back for a while. But I decided to pick this up, leaf through it in the store, and really enjoyed it. It's Betty Ross. She's She's definitely got a chip on her shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> and she takes out a whole bunch of material. It is the old Hulk book. Mm-hmm. Stomping around the desert, mashing tanks. And we this is going to go somewhere. There's uh, some intrigue here with these characters who are on the other side of the fence. They're the other government Hulkbusters from years and years ago in some way. Yeah. What do you think of it, Steve? I liked it. Yeah. Um... I don't know if I've, I'm as enthusiastic about it. I thought I would like it a little bit more. Okay. Um, I think that sometimes I forget that often uh, Hulk books can be a little bit militaristic. Mm-hmm. And obviously she comes and she swoops in and tries to screw up the demonstration program. Yeah. Um, I liked her motives. I liked her. I don't know. I want more of a supporting cast for the book. Like if it's going to be her book, I want to know like who are you, you going to have around you that's going to make the book fun otherwise Mm -hmm. because you have a character that's already fun and she's already you know what she stands for the whole bit 
like what else are we going to explore with it? I know it's just a first issue, but right. I want I want a little bit. I was expecting a little bit more of a setup as to how it's going to be for the rest of the run. Yeah. Not it felt to me it felt almost like a standalone, even mm-hmm. though they threw in a little something at the end to you know draw you into mm-hmm. the next book. Um, it just I I just I want to I want to know what else is going to go on with it. If it's just her throwing tanks around and stopping other programs and stuff like that, then yeah. that's pretty much every Hulk that I've read. <laughs> right. So I just want to know what, I just, I want to know what else they're going to do with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll definitely keep checking it out for another issue or two. Um, I just hope that something comes along into it that makes it something that I'm comfortable with buying each time it comes out and not weighing it against other books. Right. Interesting that they didn't renumber it, that they didn't just send it back to one. You know, mm-hmm. it really because it changed characters. A lot of these books aren't even changing characters; they're putting it back to one, and to keep it going, you know, to is I think number forty-nine or whatever it is right now. I think for anybody walking the store, if there's going to be people walking the stores right now that are looking for Marvel Now books, if they see this book, it might not they might leave it, you know, on the shelf because yeah. it just looks like it's a, a continuation of, of an older book. Uh, I thought it was cool, but I agree with some stuff you said. It, it you know, she's beaten up the army which is what the Hulk does. Mm-hmm. And for me, like the way that she is in Defenders is great. And I really enjoy the, the kind of weirdness of what, what she's doing, mm-hmm. you know, but I, I, with her as a character, I've never, I don't, you know, it's Betty Ross, obviously. And, you know, she's a major player in the Hulk books for, since the beginning, but her as a character as Red She-Hulk, I, I don't know anything about that character. I don't know what she's like. I don't know how she is. And the, the, Parker does a good job in this book of, showing who she is, you know, and her her kind of strict, kind of almost like anti-military stance in a way, I, obviously in reaction to the father that she grew up with. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it. I found myself enjoying it, but not being kind of enraptured by it, not being like, oh my God, I need to read issue 50 to see what happens with right. these new characters that entered at the end. Well, that's the thing with me is that, I mean, I usually, when there's like a female centric book, I mean, that's mm. usually what I gravitate towards. I more, more likely than not come back and I'm like, and <laughs> this time, like I enjoyed it and I liked it. I just, I, th- I thought that I would be a little bit more excited when I, when I was done with it. Yeah. And I don't know if it's just because I read, I read a lot of books this week that maybe mm. it was because it was, you know, in the pile, mm. but it was also kind of towards the beginning of the pile when I still had a lot of the, my steam <laughs> left. So I don't know. It's just, I'm, you know what it is? There's with Marvel now starting, there's going to be, we talk about this every week about like my piles and what I buy and everything. I'm buying so much stuff at this point that really after Comic-Con, like I need to get a little bit stricter about what I can wait for and mm-hmm. what I need to be reading every month because right. it's just the list is getting every time that I think it's going to be an easy week. It's not because I forgot about four or five titles that I either wanted to check out or were collecting, but didn't read on the list. Right. So like I said, I'm being oh, just a little bit more critical with what I read now. Mm-hmm. So makes sense. Well, yeah. I, I love, I think it was Greg Pak introduced her when they're doing all the world war Hulk things. Mm-hmm. And it was a mystery as was the red Hulk and then atom bomb, which is Rick Jones. Apparently everyone who ever hung out with Bruce Banner got <laughs> irradiated from, I don't know, yeah. shaking his hands. So just like we all, except Bobby managed to not get the con flu. <laughs> uh, you know, everybody got irradiated by uh, Bruce Banner. But I she got was, irradiated. Yeah, she was very hardcore. Mm-hmm. I mean, really violent, really you know, stick it to everybody she she encountered. So having that focus toward the military, just both you guys are saying her background, mm-hmm. 
I'm, I'm willing to go one more. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, you know, it's kind of like watching the pilot of a television show where you see potential. Unless it's Arrow. And, and, oh! <laughs> you see potential, but you're, you're not in love with it. I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah. There are some shows you watch the pilot of and you're like, this show is a show I'm going to be watching till it's over. And there are some shows you watch the pilot of and you're like, this is the last episode of the show I'm ever going to watch. <laughs> and then there are some episodes of the show you're like, that was pretty good. I see potential. If they can develop it, then I'll, I'll, I'll be in for it. And that's kind of what I, how I feel about Red mm-hmm. She-Hulk. Um, what else did you enjoy, Bob? <laughs> okay. Um, should we just jump into the final issue of Fantastic Four? Let's right? do it. Let's do it. I loved it. Um, yeah. It was pretty special. Look, Reed Richards is always about doing the right thing. In this case, even when it's rescuing Doctor Doom from a uh, an army of mindless Doctor Dooms out in the negative zone somewhere where he's been after helping save the universe at our end. Loads of stuff with his dad and Valeria. It's all family Leads to some really tender moments among the, the again, it is this family book. And the ending leading into this this week's FF23 yep. is the last one of that. I just can't wait. Yeah. I'm I'm taking that book this week. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, Fantastic Four, the final issue, was fantastic. For, like, <laughs> for want I, of a better I term. really wish I'd been able to find another word before I said that. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, it was the, one of the, one of the things that I really, really liked about it, and this is not a spoiler, is the very last page is a letter from Jonathan Hickman to the audience and him basically saying that people have asked him time and time again, like what has been the, the purpose of the crowning achievement of Mm -hmm. writing Fantastic Four for so long. And he's like, I always give a crappy answer to this, but now I finally have one. And he's like, I write Fantastic Four about a families because we're living in a time where families have become almost a thing of the past and that it's become such a sensitive and rocky issue for, you know, today's goings ons that it's just it was so important to him to write a book about a family that shows that they love one another, would die for one another, mm-hmm. and would literally go into other mm-hmm. dimensions and galaxies to help one another out. Mm-hmm. And it just it really I mean, I've only read 600 up, so I've read, what, 11 issues, and I've managed to attach myself to this book so much just through his writing and through this this final uh, run that he's had since 600 that it just really... um, It's powerful stuff. Mm -hmm. For a a team book, like, you know, like it's... What is it? uh, The World's Greatest Comic Book Magazine. That started at issue three all those those years ago. Stan threw it on the cover. I don't know if it's the greatest magazine, but it certainly is the greatest family that uh, that comics has ever seen, in in my Mm. personal opinion. Um, But yeah, all the Doom stuff, the the setup for what's to to come and follow up in FF when it closes. um, It's just it's a really it's not an epic way to go out, but it's like a like a silent cheer. Almost like he's bad. It's like a bow instead of making the big ruckus at the end. It's right. their curtain call. Yeah. Before they exit the stage. But he also in that little letter, he makes mention of you know, where other comics are, what what the comic universe in, in terms of publishing mm-hmm. everything else is and how he's trying to do something a little different. So. Mm-hmm. It feels it's weird. I, the only word I'm finding for it is like dignified. Instead of like the big splash, like the huge action and just being like, oh, this is of all the villains back for a big fight. Okay. Yeah. This is yeah. kind of like nodding to you and being like, you know, it's been fun. Mm-hmm. I'll see you. Right. Um, how has the art been with Ryan Stegman? It's been the last couple issues, right? Still good. Still good. It's, it's just it's a it's a book that 
adapts itself very well mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because you do have the large cosmic moments, but you need to be able to handle the little personal things. So just having grown Valeria, you know, tap her dad on the shoulder and he sees her mm -hmm. as her little person self. Yeah. It's just, just a gorgeous page. Mm -hmm. This is how you do quiet moments. Mm -hmm. I was very happy. Now, there have been so many great artists in his run, but I, yeah. I wouldn't have minded Stegman all the way through. Well, the yeah. thing that I also love about Stegman is that he does, um, some, some people can do and some people can't. When you draw characters that are in the background and you don't need to do all the details, mm -hmm. like their faces are missing mm -hmm. and stuff yeah. like that, some people like muddle that up a little mm -hmm. bit and almost looks kind of like rushed and ugly. And then there are other people that when they do it, those little blurbs of character actually have character to them mm -hmm. yeah. and some of the faces the little smiley that's on them or just the dots for eyes some of them are very well placed and actually fun that there are times when I almost like his background stuff more than the foreground mm -hmm. stuff so he's one of the few people that can do that so as far as art it's been really good yeah. he did the art for the first arc of Scarlet Spider ah. which was excellent and he's the guy who's doing Superior Spider-Man uh, when it, when that launches yeah. so I, yeah I love him I think he's, he's great um Bob, what else did what else did you? Uh, love? I've got one I didn't love. Okay, How bring about it on. We do that. New Avengers thirty-one. <laughs> Surprisingly enough, um, it, it's end times, and so end times right away. Considering we we know who wrote it, we have death and destruction. <laughs> we haven't just wrapped up seven years of this to within three pages we kill a major character from forty years ago that he had nothing to do with creating. We go a few pages on, and he wipes out somebody else. Why? What is the point? We haven't knocked off enough people? It's end times. Yeah, I guess, but... <laughs> Who are we kidding? Uh, and then we have two and a half pages of Zen yoga, which is always fun, when I'm, when I'm buying a book for $3. <laughs> Where is it? All fun. Well, they Here can't we go. see it anyway. They can't see it They anyway. can't see it, but you guys can. We've got we've got two and a half pages of this. Well, Bob, I, I, I will, I I, I'm, go, I'm going to pick a little bit of bone with you here. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't think it's fair to both complain about too much happening and and then too little happening at the same time. I mean, there's I mean, there's plenty of dialogue in this. I haven't read the book, so I'm just I'm just I'm just asking you. Uh, there's plenty of dialogue here. I it see goes it goes nowhere. Okay. It's uh, about buying a Lamborghini. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> am, am I lying? I, no. I okay. But again, like we're not reading this book, so it's tough right. for us to tell. Right, okay. you know, it's tough for us to be like, you know, if that, maybe it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a moment. It's a good scene, yeah. So you know, it's no, tough, that's not, not tough to tell that. Um, but it's not, it's not that it's too much. It's the, it's the what is happening. Okay. We we just need to kill some more characters off. I'm on my way out the door. These guys you like, but I'll kill them. Yeah, but it's we, com but Bob, it's I, I know. But if we if we go down the the, the death roll that this guy has rung up over the last let six me ask or seven you this: years. Do these deaths are they going to actually carry out into other? Are they dead dead or are they just dead in this run? I don't know yet because it just happened. Okay. But is is it is it again necessary? Can't we? I'd love these new books to show us with somewhat more thoughtful introspective mm -hmm. storylines and heroes and not just more of the same because then we spent the last year buying AVXs mm -hmm. for no particularly good reason. Someone should have learned something from this. Well, it's interesting. In the, in the uh, point one issue... There's a, they actually mentioned that we never even talked about the end of AVX, did we? We didn't. We didn't talk about it. No, oh, we, 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 we should talk about it. Can we? Yeah, we can talk about it. Um, the uh, that in the point one issue they talk about that that the guy is talking about the future. Yeah, he talks about the heroic age and he goes and look what you guys did. You guys just fought each other. 
He goes, you know, great move or whatever. Yeah. You know, so obviously there's there's some there's there's a amount of self-realization in the company about what what happened and stuff like that. So. You know, we'll see what happens uh, moving forward. I mean, yeah. We can talk about the AVX quickly. I mean, I don't want to go too much into it. Um, and obviously, I don't want to spoil too much about it. I mean, we, we can carve out a little spoiler section okay. and then tell people to skip ahead. I mean, maybe it's better if we do that at the end of the show. Okay. Um, so people can just go, we can just go, okay, this is the end of the show. If you haven't read AVX, if you haven't read AVX, stick around for the next 10 minutes. We're going to talk about AVX. Sure. So let's do that. So we'll meet near the end of the show. I'll let you guys know. We'll do everything else first, and then we'll go into a spoiler discussion of Avengers uh, versus X-Men. Which, by the way, they announced the, uh, you know, the, the trade or whatever. It's 0 through 12. It's one, it's one collection. It, it also ha- ha- collects the um, A versus X books all six of them and the infinite comics the, di- the digital only comics that have been there so that's the, the volume it's coming out in november because marvel much, is how, quick about that. how much are they how grabbing much is you that? for, for the, the, the price didn't say it in, in the book so i'm not sure of course um but uh well marvel's trades are a little more expensive usually than dc's yeah. trades but they also come out you know dc puts out trades like a year after uh, you know an arc is over <laughs> yeah. so we're, just, we're still getting new 52 trades that's ridiculous right yeah, the now, for the yeah. first arcs so they're a little, they're more ridiculous, you know, than not even trades, hardcovers. Like we yeah. don't even have. I think the first official trade is coming out next month. Yeah, well, the, but the thing about DC is they don't do they like for Batman they put out a hardcover, but they don't put a hardcover for everything. Mm-hmm. Like there was no, I don't think there was any hardcover for I Vampire. I think it was just a you know just a trade paperback immediately. Ugh. But the, the good thing about DC is that this stuff is cheaper, but it takes forever to come out. Marvels is a little more expensive, but it comes out. A month after or two weeks after it finishes, um, but yeah. So stay tuned at the end of the show. We'll we'll talk about AVX and how it ended. Bob, what, what you got anything no, else? That's you want to talk pretty. About? That's pretty good. We're getting to a book of the week later, right? Well, yeah, yeah, we, yeah, okay. yeah, absolutely, we? yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so Steve, want to catch up on some of the stuff you've been reading? Uh, I read Punk Rock Jesus number four right before I came here. Yeah, and I'm a little conflicted about it. Okay, Uh-oh. why are you conflicted about? I'm it? a little concerned. Um, first of all. I think it's a fantastic series. Mm-hmm. I love it. I think it's amazing. But I'm a little concerned about the moves that were made. Uh, it was We had issue number three where things started to move very fast. Yeah. Um, they were jumping around a lot. And I found that, that issue very engaging and very easy to follow. Um, this issue, I felt like it it bounced around. And even though it probably didn't make as much of a jump in years it felt a little bit more disjointed there weren't enough like markers to tell me when this was happening i mean i can't really talk about it without going into spoiler territory um but essentially the let's just say the attitude of the book's main characters changed and yeah (laughs) which is fine and i get it and maybe it's just a phase but from the time that he can i I, this is really hard to talk about. With, well, I'm, um, gonna, I'm showing Bob the last yeah. page All right. of the book. Well, okay. <laughs> I, I like that. A little a bit of a spoiler. He, he he leaves the the compound. Yeah, yeah. Can I yeah, say yeah, that? Yes. Okay. He leaves the yeah. compound. He leaves the compound, and you go from him being at a certain age when he leaves the compound to being a much much more. At least he looks visually much more grown up in the pages to come. And he is, he reinvents himself. Mm-hmm. What he reinvents himself as is what I have a problem with. Because it's, first of all, it's very cliche. 
It's very, uh, it's very angry, which is fine. The whole punk background and all of that stuff. But this is a really, really, really awesome book and a great character. I'm really hoping that this is just like a hump in the story for his character development, that something happens. Somebody reminds him of who he's supposed to be because he doesn't have to be like all second coming of Christ the whole bit, but he has a much, much more of a responsibility and not to the the people that are watching the program and, and, you know, he addresses them and tells them what they can go and do with themselves. (laughs) But to to everyone else like it just his position in the world as it stands is very important and for him to take the attitude that he did and basically put his middle fingers up in the air it's it's just i i want better for him mm-hmm. and i'm hoping that with the next two issues some event or somebody will come along and remind him of what he's supposed to be and that he still is this kind of like neo savior but he takes a little bit more of a a better angle with it Mm -hmm. because you got the you know angry at at religion child and he's a grown man yeah now and if he's still carrying around that childlike mentality because he's angry about the events of his life i don't blame him but at the same time there was time for him to mature his thoughts and come up with a better plan Mm -hmm. well i think that what we're what we're getting at from this book is, you know, he's a teenager right now. Yeah. And he's angry and he saw something really, really horrible happen to somebody he was very close to. Yes. Uh, but, and it's also interesting because the book mirrors slightly kind of the the biblical story of Jesus in that, you know, he's a kid. He's a, there, there's a lot of tracking on Jesus from, you know a certain age to a certain age. And then there's like, you know, 10 years where there's nothing in the Bible about what he was doing. Jesus, the missing years, you know, he was hanging out with dinosaurs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I think that even though this is more public, this, this part he's going to now in the book is sort of that time, you know, it's mm-hmm. kind of the lost years of the savior. And I, you know, the, this issue goes into areas of a slight, and when I say preachiness is almost opposite preachiness, it's very much like religion is the worst thing in the entire world. Yeah. You know, all of you go fuck yourselves, you know, who believe in mm-hmm. this thing, you know, and I'm not a religious person, but I, I don't like that attitude either. You know, I don't like either attitude too far or crazy in either direction. Well, I'm the same way. You know, so that I was worried about that from the from day dot when this book came out. I was worried that this, this, that's all this book was going to be and it hasn't been that. Right. It, it's been a really cool character study and a really engaging book and really interesting with some really, the bodyguard character, Thomas, it, it, yeah. it was one of my favorite characters this year like in, in, in comics. And so I have, I have faith that Sean Murphy is going to, to, like you said, like this is going to be a bump in the road for the character. Oh, I do too. Absolutely. And he's going to bring it into something else. But I do agree with you that the character gets much more caustic in this issue. He's much more in your face and it's a little off-putting with, with the way he's acting. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we're going to have to get to punk rock Jesus exactly. at some point. He, he, so this is where we're Jesus. Yeah. I, I know. And I and yeah. I have, you know, total faith haha, yeah. Yeah. That, uh, <laughs> nice. that it's going to be awesome and it's yeah. going to turn around the whole bit. I just... You know, maybe the fact that it did throw me off is what I like about it. Right. Um, no, because I, I, I love I love it when, when things get in your face and they shake you up and they kind of they do something to you didn't really expect. Because, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I've been loving every single page of this book. And then all yeah. of a sudden they kind of flipped it on me a little bit. And I was like, you know, hey, 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 like mm-hmm. what's you know, this yeah. is not this is not turning out to be 
the the person that I would want him to be. Right. Yeah. And I I I know that that's the point. Mm-hmm. I'm just hoping that like other aspects of this book that they move into another yeah uh you know attitude with him um i think it's the the girl that that grew up with him Mm -hmm. is going to be a major player in the next two issues yeah absolutely but i think it's interesting that you care enough about the character to be like i don't want him to be like this yeah you know i think that's a really good good testament it's a a fantastic run it's it's been one of the best books on the shelves every time it comes out i'm excited and i love there's an extended flashback scene with the thomas character in this issue where you see kind of becoming part of the uh the um ira right yes 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 Yes. yeah um i always forget what (laughs) and that that little story was enough like if that had just been like a six page story and they released it for three dollars i'd probably have been happy because of how good it was you know uh it's a great book what else steve you've been uh, catching up on uh what else did i read let's see i read the new uh ultimate comics iron man by nathan edmondson Mm -hmm. uh i would say wait till marvel now it's a, it's it's kind of cool. I think it's tying into the whole the movie hype because it is a, a Mandarin mm-hmm. uh, story. I think it's only going to be is it five or eight issues? I don't know, but it's, it's definitely too much. a miniseries. Um, it might be four. Mm-hmm. I can't count. Um, <laughs> I would wait for the Marvel Now stuff. I think it's going to be um, a little bit more engaging uh, than this. And I don't know about his suit. His suit was a little weird. One <laughs> um, of the better things that I read um, and we had the the pleasure of, of meeting uh, both uh, Brandon Montclair and Amy Reader at um, New York Comic Con was Halloween Eve uh, which I think was the first uh, Kickstarter event that I funded Okay, so I got my copy you know autographed it came with a, a really cool Halloween card um, with you know artwork on it and stuff like that and the comic was um Really, really quite cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was, um, it was basically. How would you describe it? Like uh, Wizard of Oz, Wizard of Oz, Alice in Wonderland, yeah, sort of thing. Uh, where you've got a young lady who working in a costume store doesn't really care about Halloween. No, I'm not going to dress up that day and wander around with real people all dressed up and a little bit of uh, Scrooge in there as well. Yes. So, yeah, it was fun. It was, um, it was basically, you know, the lesson learned thing where she, she has an overactive imagination. So she goes off into her own mind and the, the book kind of seamlessly moves into this mode where all of the, all of the personalities that she works with all her coworkers, Mm -hmm. they assume different, uh, costumes and different roles in this fantasy that she has. And she basically, um, finds love and appreciation for the holiday um by the end of the book but it's just the journey is very um it's very quirky and and the art is beautiful Mm -hmm. it's very colorful um and some of the spreads of like the halloween portions when there's like the party inside the store and everything picking out all the different monsters and all the different nods to different comic books um, hanging out in the crowd was a lot of fun. It was like, where's Waldo if he was wearing a bunch of different Halloween yeah. costumes? Well, that one shot was, was sort of looking down into Halloween Town, for yeah. want of a better term, is just amazing. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was really good. It's one of those like, there's been a couple of really good October reads mm-hmm. um, coming out, but Halloween Eve, um, it came into the stores. Even if you didn't join in on the uh, Kickstarter, you can definitely find it in your local comic shop. Um, definitely pick it up support it because it's a damn good book. <laughs> uh, well, uh, 
Daredevil End of Days, which we didn't get a chance to talk about. I know you read it. Yeah. Uh, Brian Michael Bendis, uh, uh, David Mack. Um, you know, it's not taking place, obviously, in the current Daredevil run. It's, you know, the last days <laughs> of Daredevil, you know, obviously, by the, the title of it. Um, and, you know, I want to talk about it real quick. This is not a spoiler because it happens in the first two pages of the book. Matt Murdock dies. Bullseye takes one of his one of Daredevil's billy clubs and sticks it through his head, and he's dead. <laughs> and and so and the rest of the book, at least issue one, is uh, Ben Urich. You know the, the daily the the daily not daily planet Bugle. daily bugle is closing, and you know there he's all there's a lot of stuff about you know media and you know message about you know the new print dying and nobody really does journalism anymore. All that stuff is layered through there, which is some very interesting layers to the book. And, you know, Ben York's talking about how, you know, everybody's, everybody filmed, you know, everybody filmed Memorak dying and nobody even lifted, lifted a finger to try to stop him from dying. Mm-hmm. People just let him die. And, you know, he's like, you know, there's a story to be written here, but nobody will read it. So I'm not going to write it. And Jameson walks in and goes, you know, Yurik, why aren't you, why aren't you working? And he goes, what is there, what is there to, what is there to do? Whatever. And he goes, you got to write the story. He's like, no one else. He's like, why do I have to write the story? And he goes, cause no one else will write it. And so Ben goes out and now he's trying to figure out what happened. Cause right before Matt dies, he says a word. It's kind of like a, you know, citizen Kane situation. And they're trying Rose to figure out what that bond. word means. Exactly. Yeah. And so he's going out trying to figure that out. So it's really a Ben Yurick story more than it is a daredevil story. And the book ends on a cliffhanger, which is pretty cool. Who knows what it's going to mean? Who knows what's going on? I don't want to spoil that for anybody. Um, it's much, much darker than what's going on in the Mark Wade run. Obviously. Yeah. Uh, but it was I thought it was a really engaging story and for it's a I love that it's just an you know eight issue miniseries and I'm really excited to see what happens where it goes. I like when writers get to play outside of continuity, you know, because they get to do whatever they want and that is exciting to me mm-hmm. without really messing with anything. Steve, did you read it? I thought it was awesome. Yeah. Um it was very, very you didn't read it, right, Bob? No, yeah. no, don't worry. No. <laughs> it was extremely, extremely violent. Um yeah. but I it, it almost reminded me of like the the what was it um Earth One or the the Batman Superman books yeah Earth One the Earth One books yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. um just because of how how different it was and mm-hmm. it's a, obviously a huge huge departure from the tone uh, and mood I mean uh, Wade's Daredevil is much more of like a superhero romp than yeah. anything else absolutely yeah and this was like you know Frank Miller on acid <laughs> bad. Um, but I, I, when it's, when it's decent and when it's good, I like things that are that different and it's just for a change. You still have the other stuff. You could, you know, if that's what you prefer and you want to go and read a lighter toned daredevil, then, you know, read, read Wade's run because it's been awesome. Yeah. But if you are in the mood, if you have a bad day and you want something (laughs) really gritty, uh, check it out because it's just like, it, it really is disturbing. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but I really like the tone of it and I loved the perspective of the story. Yeah. Um, the whole, the, the written page reading the, him stopping himself and correcting himself yeah. on words to make it sound better. Yeah. Um, I do that in my head when I'm, <laughs> when I'm writing stuff and I'm yeah. like, ah, I can identify with you. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm curious. It's eight issues. I think it's eight issues. Yeah. yeah it's eight. I, I, yeah. I don't know. I don't, if he's dead in the first two pages, I'm very curious as to how it's going to play out for seven more issues. Yeah of this story it just doesn't seem like something that would last that long yeah i mean i'm sure there's gonna be a lot of flashback yeah, stuff say, i'm sure, sure they're gonna be playing a lot into matt's history and what happened to him um you know 
there, there, there's something that Matt does in the history of Daredevil End of Days um, that has kind of, he hasn't been around for a long time. Daredevil hasn't been around because he did something that kind of went, that crossed the line as far as superheroes go. Yeah. And so he had to kind of go away because everybody knew Matt Murdock was Daredevil. So when Daredevil did this thing, everybody knew it seems that Matt had to go away. And this was the first time he had been back in a very, very long time. So his question is, why did he come back? What was he doing in the time that he was gone? You know, what happened to him? So um, there's a lot that they can play with there. And the artist on it is Klaus Janssen, who is the guy who did the, the famous Frank Miller yeah. run back in the day. So oh, there you go. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a pretty cool idea. Obviously, I, you know, the, I'll talk really quickly now, you know, in conjunction, the Daredevil run that Mark Waite is doing is one of my favorite things in the entire world, you know, <laughs> ever. Uh-huh. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy that this doesn't replace it. And what happened in the Daredevil 19 is, I'm not going to spoil it, it's bonkers. Um, you know, things are getting a little more yeah. serious for Matt now. Like, you know, they're very much dealing in Matt's kind of sanity and he's seeing things that aren't necessarily there and he's getting things confused and he's, you know, forgetting how he got places, and you is this know, an outgrowth of what happened with Doctor Doom all that. Yes, sort of it's, it's, okay. it's still all playing in that area. You know, and this this issue kind of solves why he's having those problems, but it presents a whole new problem. And I showed Bob yeah. one of the pages, and it's crazy. I don't know how they're doing it. I don't know what they're doing with it, but it's mirrors. Just, they're doing it with mirrors. It's just a great <laughs> book, and. You know, uh, there's more uh, Hank Pym in the story, and Wade has said that going forward, there's going to be a lot of Hank Pym in the Daredevil story. And you mentioned it's because you know the two people who have lost the two people that are most important yep. to them. Absolutely, which I, I think is really is a really great way to, to go yeah. about it. Um, he's, the, he's the person to explore it. Yeah, um, you know, a couple. Of issues, I think you read that issue, right? Did you read the issue where Hank goes into his head and yeah. fixes him, yeah. which is just a, yeah. a fantastic thing. Um, and also another great book. I mean, uh, Hawkeye number three yeah. came out. Yes. Which, I'm, I'm, you know, as much as I love the way Daredevil, that might be my favorite Marvel book going right now. Uh, I, I, I love the, the humor of it, the tone of it, the, the, the writing is spot on. I like the, it's ongoing, but it feels like a one-off very much so at, at points. Bob, what do you think of it? Well, the whole turn, the, the stupidest things he ever had, all those goofy arrows, yeah. into a running commentary gag, it was just hysterical. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, it's amazing. Like the, uh, uh, the, those moments, those arrows when he's like, you know, talking about labeling the arrows. And yeah. I love that. That it's the minutia. Yeah. Right? It's yeah. the minutia. It's the how does he keep track of what the all the arrows <laughs> are, and he has to try to label them. And the way that she makes fun of him, I love yeah. that. Also, I love that her name is also Hawkeye. I think it's yeah. really funny. It gets a little confusing, but and she's also going to be in Young Avengers as well. Oh, yes. So which is really cool. I love their relationship. To me, this book that's being written right now, I could see this being a movie or a television show immediately. Yes. Just taking exactly what's written here and making it into a TV show. It's got like a burn notice. Feel it does to it have a little, little bit, bit burn notice. Like a USA show. Yeah. You know, they're a little, yeah, bit, okay. they're a little bit glib. They're a little they bit need the pizza cover. dog, though. Yeah, it's true. Gotta have pizza dog. It's true. It's true. Um, are you sure? I'm showing you a page of Catwoman. Because is she wearing a, on the left? Because she's wearing a cat belt. Is that why? no? To, further to the left. Oh <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Catwoman. Oh yeah, tell us about Catwoman. Catwoman was terrible. What am I missing? Catwoman was was really bad. Um, it it didn't do anything. I was really hoping um, with Anne Nocenti being the the new writer. Uh, I was really hoping to forgive her for the disastrous mm-hmm. zero issue that came out. Um, but it doesn't really look to be getting any better. <laughs> and uh, I guess there's a new uh, Sandoval is the new artist on the book. 
And it's a shame because I really liked some of the layouts, some of the way that like the, the pages were done. They were fun and um, they were kind of cool. They were like very like had cool designs to them and yeah. stuff like that. But then if you keep going, Ooh. you run into the same problems that they had in the other issues where now that we've zipped up her shirt, now we're going to focus on her ass. There's literally, there's a, there's a full page spread of her diving out of a window. It's all ass. It's all leather bound ass, the whole thing. And it's just, it's so, it's so sad to see that they couldn't, they couldn't pull this out of the hole Mm -hmm. that it had already, you know, dug itself for some the last year even. Um, And as far as it being the prologue to death in the family, Mm -hmm. it's like following a shadow around it really there's no there's no particular you have to go out and get this because i mean it's just like you know we all know joker's been in the background so how has he been messing with catwoman Mm -hmm. and it's just really not that fun batgirl 13 was the same thing there's one page yeah of what's you know to come but as Bobby and I were talking off the other, though, the the issue of Batgirl is really a very good it's end very to good. that storyline. So maybe if people will buy that, yeah. it'll get people to start buying the book. The only reason I don't, I, normally that thing kind of thing would bother me, that kind of disingenuous marketing of Batgirl 13. But because Batgirl is such a good book, if that gets people to read it who aren't reading it, then I'm kind of okay with it, you know, in, in that way. Uh, I will say really quick about uh, the structure of Hawkeye number three, just bouncing back to it real quick. I love that it starts out with, you know, this is, a, this is a really bad idea, but believe it or not, this is only the third most terrible idea I've yeah, had today. today. I've had exactly nine terrible ideas, and it goes yeah. through all of the ideas, yeah. the way that's structured. Yeah. Just love it. I mean, it's so much fun. It's got such a... It's got a style. It's got style to it. You know, the, the way the panels are laid out, the way the story is structured, it, it, it's got a flair to it right. that even when things aren't happening, it's so engaging to just keep reading because... You know the the way that each kind of section of the book is highlighted by the arrows. You know, and you can it's almost like it's like almost like watching the comic book version of like a Guy Ritchie film. You know, mm-hmm. where it's like it's like Sonic Arrow, and then I can just see like the screen freezing, and it says I Sonic Arrow, that. Yeah. and then it goes. You know, and um, I love that that feeling to it. It's just like in the car. It's a hell of a car chase for a comic book. It you, is. You can't imagine how it would work, but it does here. Yeah. And I love the the boomerang arrow, and I love how they yeah. bring it back. You know, it's a thing, and they bring it back. It's just great writing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just great writing. You know, and it bringing it back, and it it, it totally blew me away. Um, so those are kind of a lot of the books that we we uh, we did not talk about, and we still have books of the week. But untraditionally, uh, we're gonna take a little break and then come back and talk books of the week. What about the Iron Man 3 trailer? Yeah. And then we will talk about the end of Avengers vs. X-Men. So hold on for that. on all the books not all the books but a lot of the books that we've been reading and a lot of them we loved very much uh, but let's talk a little bit about our books of the week uh, Bob what okay. do you got for us well, 
secondarily, because I think Steve's going to talk about this too. We, we already talked about my book, but don't worry okay. about it. <laughs> okay. Uh, no, so we'll leave that alone. So for me, my book of the week was X Factor 245, okay. which is part five of Breaking Points as it's starting to disassemble this team here. Uh, if you remember last issue, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Teresa Cassidy, to help out Lorna Dane, takes on the mantle of the Morrigan, which is an Irish folklore magician character. And she leaves the team, as everybody else seems to have. And it's a huge now battle between Jamie Madrox and Alex Summers over, well, Alex, you're leading the team and everybody's gone. What, what you know, should I get you an award for all this great leadership you have? So they, they go at it pretty well. But the characters are true to themselves, as always, when Peter David writes this sort of thing. You get a wonderful moment where Alex takes on himself the blame for what went wrong and why Teresa had to leave, even though it isn't really his fault. I won't spoil that, but he, he does that. Show some leadership, which leads you into where Cap might pick a guy like this who's, mm-hmm. who's struggled with it. It's those sort of little moments. There's a wonderfully layered scene between he and Lorna as he's going to leave. He assumes they're a couple. They're going. They're maybe not mm-hmm. so together couple of neat surprises wonderfully funny ending that that all just sort of works as there's a you know moving on sort of moment x factor it's the only x book i'm reading at this point and it's mm-hmm. the only thing that's been ringing true to me for a while though i've read some of those wolverine and x-men you guys have touted and mm-hmm. a couple have been really good mm-hmm. uh x factor if you're not reading this go back over the last year or so and pick this book up because it is just sensational yeah i mean you guys have said great things about it so I had no interest in reading it, and now I want to go back and get the trades because you guys, the way you guys have talked about it, the trades have been sitting over at the comic shop for <laughs> like for months now. I've had them on the side, and I just I can't. I do want to read it. I really do, but I think it's almost it's ending, right? No, this no? one's continuing yeah. through. Oh, well, yeah, there you go. Um, Whoops. Have you have you started your Green Lantern trek yet? I have not, but and I forgot to bring your copy. Damn oh, it, Blackest Night. Don't yeah, worry about it. Um, <laughs> but no, I have my own copy of Blackest Night now, and now that I'm caught up. And uh, I don't want to jinx myself, but today seems to be a little bit of a light day. <laughs> oh, oh, you um, knock wood. Yeah, I might have time this week because it seems like lately all I have is time. Yeah. So well, uh, after you read Blackest Night and then all this new Fifty Two stuff, you only have seven other years of Jeff Johns' Green Lantern there you go. books to read. Yay! <laughs> uh, speaking of time, then are you going to talk about this book that I'm pointing out here? Or? Yeah, I mean, okay, we can then, then, about, I, then I'm done. You're you're, you're up, Steve. <laughs> well, I read. Uh, I'm, I was going to talk about something for a minute. It's not sure. my favorite book of the week, but it was something that was recommended to me that I found at New York Comic Con um, called One Month to Live. And what it was is it was part of a book called Heroic Age. And what they did was they took five issues, five weeks. uh, Each time had a different writer. Uh, It was basically week one was Rick Remender, and then week two, uh, Rob Williams, Stuart Moore, John Ostrander, and uh, Rick Remender uh, wrapped it up. Wow. Uh, this was recommended to me by uh, Sarah, who is I Am Giant Woman. She came in um, to the States, her and her husband, for um, Comic-Con. Mm-hmm. We had a great time with them. So they were talking to me about this all weekend, and she was totally stoked for me to read it because I, I Kill Giants and Jeff Lemire and a couple of other things that have almost gotten me to cry. Almost. It's never <laughs> happened. It's never happened. Not yet. Um, she told me, she goes... 
this book had me bawling like a baby. So I said, I have to read it. Yeah. Because I want to depress myself <laughs> with comics. Um, There's always a moment for that. No, nah, yeah, I, you know, I, I, I like books that, that move me in, in whatever yep. uh, fashion. So I picked this up and I wasn't as moved by it as she was. It was decent, but did you ever read something that you felt was really, really rushed? That like if they had more time to develop their ideas, let things sink in a little mm-hmm. bit more, that perhaps yeah. you would have been a little yeah. bit more affected by it. Yeah, a little bit course. more air, yeah. yep. That's exactly how I felt with this book. The um the quick backstory on this is that um basically a guy he thwarts a robbery of what these thugs believe to be like a, a medical supply truck. They believe that it's it has medicines on it, they want to take the oxycotton and all that crap and sell it on the on the market and whatever. Uh, it turns out to be a medical waste disposal truck. Ooh. And this guy gets, he ends up getting superpowers from, in in my experience with comics, the single worst way that I've ever seen anyone gain superpowers ever. Um, they basically- <laughs> I don't know, put, I have a pretty vivid imagination. <laughs> well, they put him down on his knees in the street. One of them pries his mouth open and the other one takes a bag of medical waste needles tissues gauze bloody uh, everything and dumps it into his open mouth that's pretty bad okay My that's beyond me god <laughs> i saw this and first of all i was like that's awesome that's i've never seen that before that's great and then i almost threw up but then the book goes on he he gets he ends up getting superpowers but he also finds out that he has uh he has cancer and it's oh. it's coming at an accelerated rate because of what happened to him. And it's basically a man's journey. You have one month to live. What are you, what are you going to do with your superpowers? Are you going to try to do the selfish thing and write your own life? Or mm-hmm. are you going to try to do something on a bigger scale? Um, he goes for the bigger scale, obviously, or else it wouldn't have been, a, you know, something <laughs> uh, to read. And it was very, it was very good. It was, it was touching at times, but my issue with it was that the only character that I really felt anything for at all was the main character. Mm-hmm. And the, excuse me, the supporting characters, play, they, they weighed heavily. They played a, a really big role in what was going on, and they, they governed a lot of his decisions and stuff. I hated them. <laughs> I, hated, I hated the two, the, the wife and, and the daughter. I just wanted to like reach into the page and throttle them. They were so... <laughs> annoying and then they do that thing where you know there's a turnaround in one of them because of an event and it just didn't feel like that 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 event had enough power to do what it did to this person who was so miserable the whole time right yeah um so yeah so it i don't know it's an interesting read other people might be a little bit more turned on by it than i was uh it's Mm -hmm. definitely worth checking out if you want to see something that's different that's what I would I say. Just that smacked it is. the pop filter on the microphone. So um, different, I'm smacking yeah, stuff. Yeah. yeah, so I don't know. Um, so yeah, that's One Month to Live, uh, mainly by Rick Remender and a couple of other people. Uh, okay. You could find it in a, uh, they have premium trades. And it's a decent read. If you could find a friend uh, that has it, borrow it from them and check it out. Um, and that's all I got on that book. All right. There's other books to talk about. Why don't you talk about something? I, I mean, I, you know, I talked about how much I loved Hawkeye number three. And I thought that was going to be my book of the week. And then, and then I read Batwoman number thirteen, uh, which, you know, I talked about Hawkeye having style, and the layouts being inventive, and you know the art being you know fantastic. Mm-hmm. 
it doesn't even hold a candle to the way that Batwoman 13 looks. And I was there going for very different styles and very different things, mm-hmm. but my God, there's so much ingenuity happening in, um, you know, J.H. Williams' layouts and art. It's unbelievable, you know? Mm-hmm. It, the, it's varied. It's, like, it's never the same. Like, you can always tell it's J.H. Williams' art, but it's not because... They it follows a certain guideline. You know, and there's anything wrong with that. There, the, the, some of that's a very big strength of artists, it, like the Hawkeye art. You can tell that's David Aja art because that's the way he draws. You know, but um, the, the, some of the there's this one page where uh, Wonder Woman is caught beneath a a bunch of giant millipedes, millipedes, um, and there are both you know thought bubbles, dialogue bubbles, and writing on the bodies of these giant millipedes that are, you know, encasing <laughs> yeah. her. And you're almost seeing, like, her perspective. Like, you're seeing the blackness of her perspective. Um, and so when this kind of millipede, this monster that you can't see is talking, it's, it's like, written on the bodies of these giant millipedes. And the, the, the most genius thing about it is that it, when you open it up and look at it, it looks like, whoa, this is overwhelming. Yeah. But once you're reading it, there's you're, there's no moment where you're confused about what's happening and what's going on. No, you just on. read it. You read it vertically. Yeah, and it, it just flows perfectly. You never even think about it. Um, it's it's so you know well laid out. Um, the characterization of both of them is great. That you know, Batwoman is going to the situation with Wonder Woman into basically Wonder Woman's territory. She's going into this labyrinth where Medusa is held prisoner. And Medusa has escaped. So, and there and there's a lot of self doubt happening with. with uh, Batwoman Kate Kane which is a theme with her throughout her entire you know, her entire run you know and she goes you know maybe I'm I'm out of my depth here maybe I'm not I'm not playing in my league anymore maybe I, I'm not yeah. up for these challenges and, if, and at the beginning it kind of seems like she's not she's getting sidetracked she's getting you know hurt and you think okay maybe, maybe you know and my thought was oh yeah she's not Batman you know Batman is ready for these situations he goes into these situations and even though he has no powers you always feel like he's not at a disadvantage compared to Superman or Wonder Woman or anybody. He's always in control of the situation. Exactly, but maybe Wonder Woman, I mean, maybe uh, Batwoman, who hasn't been doing it as long and you know has had a lot of issues, maybe she's not ready for this. And over the course of the issue, she proves that she is ready for it. And it's just it's both a great issue visually and and written. You know, it's one of those things where J.H. Williams. Ha- you know, is an artist by trade, and but he's writing this book, and it, it's just as well written as I think the Greg Rucka run, the original run, and that's saying something because I love Greg Rucka, but it's just great. It's just great. Um, Steve, what do you think of it? I think you said everything. Oh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, um, no. I I uh, I echo all yeah. of your enthusiastic words. It, it's a it's a book, and it, you know you can't jump on on issue thirteen. Here, a lot of stuff has been happening. Yeah. And uh, you really need to go back and read it. Uh, but it's so worth it. It's completely worth it. Because it's almost like no two pages are the same. No. You know? Which is just. There's something cinematic about it, but there, there's also something indefinably comic book about it. It's something that couldn't be done anywhere else. You know? And, and there, there's something just. I don't know, great about that. I well, love, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, no, uh, just, I've not read this yet, but on everyone's recommendation, I just bought a whole crap load of mm-hmm. Batwoman. And having leafed through them and looking at some of these layouts, it's, J.H. Williams has, has there's, there's a painterly quality to a lot of it, mm-hmm. 
but it's also so obviously comic influenced. There's Neil Adams and Steranko and Will Eisner here using the, the titles as part of the, the, the backgrounds. The, the balloons are part of the layout yeah. themselves. It, it's just really clever use of the page itself yeah and i like that no matter where she goes and what she does you know this is it's sticking to the you know the uh the betty kane story the the flame bird story which has been a big deal over the last you know i think the last arc basically uh, you know uh that's they haven't left that behind even though batwoman's off doing you know pretty big things uh so i you know i, I love i love that stuff the, this uh, the book has grown my estimation greatly since I did that new 52 ranking article when I really kind of went through it all and then went back and reread Elegy. It, it's one of my favorite series right now. So everybody should definitely be reading it. Um, isn't this the same team that's going to be doing Sandman or part of the team? Well, I mean, you know, Neil Gaiman's writing Sandman, obviously. Right. But yeah, the same team. Yeah. Ooh. Jake Williams is doing the art for Sandman. That's which going to be fucking awesome. It's freaking yeah. perfect. It's just, it's just perfect. Um, Steve, are there any other books you want to talk about? I think that if we don't talk about Captain Marvel number five, ba- Bob is going to have a conniption. <laughs> so let's uh, let's talk about Captain. Oh, let me say what I liked about Captain Marvel, and then Bob can can go off. Mm-hmm. Um, I really really enjoyed, uh, even though there was a bit of there was a different artist uh, on the book this month. Yeah, um, Emma Rios. Emma Rios. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked the art. I know you guys were talking about it earlier. Um, it was a little different not having Dexter Sawyer in the book. It's my preferred artist for the book, but I still enjoy it. I kind of like the fashion-y uh, look mm-hmm. for comics. Um, so I think that even though uh, Soy wasn't there, that at least it wasn't something that you were like, oh, yeah, yeah, because uh, I've had that happen. <laughs> yeah, who's this substitute teacher? Right, exactly. Today? Yeah. Um, but I really liked the uh, chemistry between um, Helen Cobb and uh, Carol yeah, Danvers. Yeah. Uh, them flying together, uh, sleuthing together, the whole yeah. bit, competing even when they don't yeah. think they are. <laughs> um, I like I like those two women together. It was very it was very playful, and it was uh, it was a fun read, and it was. Uh, Helen's been kind of a character that we've known about for a while and we've seen little snippets of her, but we never got to be in a real situation with her Mm -hmm. and see how she reacts to someone who is just as good, if not better than she is. Yeah. Um, So it was really cool to, to finally um, get a little closer to that character. Mm -hmm. And uh, I found that I really liked her. Yeah. Yeah. It's for a, an issue about flying. It is very grounded for the most part though. When the action sequence comes, just full of puns tonight. <laughs> yeah, that's the kind of show we're having. Um, when she finally breaks out her powers to get them out of a tough spot. Yeah. And Helen reacts pretty amazingly. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, she's thrilled that someone can fly without needing airplanes or whatever. Uh, so you're highlighting what Carol's about by showing you what she was may have been like in that time period. Mm-hmm. And, and the other uh, the other pilot who discovers that things aren't going to go well. Mm-hmm. Uh you also harken back to Carol's origins, where we get a whole extra flashback because of the time travel and an artifact that's in someone's hands that shouldn't. It, this has been a winner five issues mm-hmm. through so far. And, and the change of art, I, I think, oh, as, as great as Dexter's always been, I think it, it's really good here that there's just a, a change up for a couple issues. Just to tell this more intimate story, perhaps. Um, you know, for me, I like the art. The, I didn't like the, some of the elongated frames mm-hmm. and stuff. I I wasn't really a big fan of. My main issue is just that 
and this is just the way comics are now. You know, you change artists. There's, there's a lot of deadlines. Yeah. You, some of these the guys can't get it. They just can't physically get it done week after week after week or month after month after month after month. My only issue is just that the art is so different. I mean, the, the art is, it couldn't be farther from Dexter Soy's art that it, you know, it's almost like, you know, changing the look of a movie for the sequel in a, in a, in a little mm-hmm. bit to me where it's, it's off-putting to me. I think that if, we, if it's three issues, two issues, by the next issue, I'll be more in tune with it. But for this issue, it, it kind of put me off just because it was so different than what mm-hmm. Dexter Soy has been right. doing. I think it is just for the two issues of this story. Yeah. Arc. So I mean, to let yeah. him catch up a little mm-hmm. bit. So, uh, but I know still a great issue. The writing yeah. is still absolutely, you know, spot on and tight. And an extra little con thing. There's a variant cover of this, mm-hmm. which is one of the pink ones. Oh, where'd you get that? Uh, I got that at my local comic shop. Oh, good, Bob, <laughs> coveting, coveting the uh, the, the variant. Mm-hmm. But but better, I bought this print from the artist at the con. Oh, great! So it's already hanging in my kitchen. I want to know where you got that. Very serendipitous. <laughs> Very serendipitous. Um, so yeah, so those are our books of the week. We talked about a lot of books. Uh, now let's move on from comic book to a comic book movie. Yeah. Uh, Ooh. Iron Man 3 uh, teaser trailer hit. And uh, I mean, I don't want to sit here. I'm not going to hear it and go beat by beat for the trailer. You guys should watch the trailer. It's at uh, Apple Trailers right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also find it on YouTube by every movie site in the world. Our every, site. Yeah, you can yeah, pretty much go anywhere on the internet. Yeah, and bump it. Go to your Facebook page where yeah. your friends is probably posted. I was but, at the dentist this morning. It was on my fillings. <laughs> But uh, TalkingComicBooks.com, we have the trailer up as yeah. well. Um, yeah, yeah, go to us to see it. Yeah. The <laughs> uh, hell with those other people. Steve, yeah. you, you, know, you saw this trailer at the Retailer Breakfast at Comic-Con. You spoke yes. about it on the show. Yes. But this time you actually got to hear the trailer. Yeah. <laughs> I what couldn't, do you think? I couldn't hear it last time above the salt content of my <laughs> eggs and, and bacon and sausage and muffins and bagels. and or Even the orange juice was salty. <laughs> Um, no, but really, I thank you, Comic Con. I appreciated the breakfast. <laughs> anyway, yeah, um, yeah. There was lots of munching. There was lots of uh, moving of chairs. Mm-hmm. Not to mention the fact that when it started, we first we got to see an exclusive clip. Mm-hmm. I have not seen the clip online yet. Yeah, no. Uh, you do get to see a piece of it in the trailer where Tony's standing around and he puts his hand out. And he's basically, he's testing uh, a new way of like, he's always coming up with different ways for his suit to reach him. Yeah. So now he's doing this like radio control on where he puts his limbs out and attaches to that limb. Uh, We got to see that whole scene. And that was more of the humor Mm -hmm. aspect of the movie where, you know, the whole thing of him testing it out and the other one where he's flying all over the place. Mm -hmm. It was a lot like that. Yeah. So kind of a throwback not something new-ish, like you've seen that before in an Iron Man movie, but it's still, it. what's funny is funny. Yeah. Uh, but yes, the trailer. Um, I'm pretty sure that this trailer is the one that I saw, because they were. I remember the latter end of it, end of it oh my God, <laughs> the later end of it more mm-hmm. than I do the beginning. Um, but as far as like getting me pumped for the movie... I've I've never been more excited to see a, an Iron Man movie mm-hmm. than with this trailer. I remember seeing the trailer for the second one, and you know I've liked the movie a little bit more since I watched it another time. But it was shady. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like eh, <laughs> this one has got a much much more um, the tone of it mm-hmm. is is speaking to me much more so yeah. than even the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the first one was fun. The second one was kind of a, a misstep mm-hmm. for the series. Um, I think they learned a lot from the Avengers 
And I think that like a post Avengers Iron Man, like that's what they need to do. I like that they're incorporating that with these movies. Yeah. That, you know, it's not, it's the events of the Avengers happened Mm -hmm. and it's going to carry throughout the Marvel universe. It's not going to be like retcon, like nothing ever happened in New York. Mm -hmm. It's one of the first things he says in the trailer. He's like, you know, after New York, everything changed. And it's like, oh, good. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's not like we can just forget about the Avengers coming together. That's all established. Yeah. And we can it's the it's the first sign that we're moving into a world, a Marvel world in the movies post Avengers that the people that are making these movies are paying attention to the groundwork that's already been done. Mm-hmm. And that restores confidence in in me for them. Right. And I, I think it looks awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it would Best thing to see there is you've had character growth with Tony Stark through the first movie, sort of into the second, but now it seems as if all three of them comprise an arc that grabs all the pieces into one place where he's changed from what happened in the Avengers. Mm -hmm. He's going to be a different character with other responsibilities now. It mentions really the things he loves and Mm -hmm. so on. So it's all more important to him now, having almost died. Yeah. Yeah. I I think it's... uh, this is Shane Black this time. Yeah, around? Shane Black. Okay. Yeah, uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, uh, and yeah, it's interesting because you mentioned the, the humor in the clips you saw. There is not one bit of humor in, in this trailer, and no. it's going to be there. You know, it's going to be yeah. there. Uh, what this trailer highlights to me, it's a, first of all, it's a very well cut, very dramatic. Gives a very good introduction to Ben Kingsley's Mandarin with a voice that doesn't even sound like Ben. No, Kingsley. I didn't know it was him. Yeah. Um, I'm excited about that because I think finally we're going to get a villain for Iron Man that is that's the thing is it's lacking from the the, the first two Iron Man movies is a really great villain he's fighting himself twice yeah this is a really great villain this is this is a different thing than Iron Man you know this is he's doing different stuff I think that they'll actually probably bring in a little more of the magic element now because of what happened in the Avengers now we're we're out of like the Tony is only in the real world sort of situation Mm -hmm. Um, what it highlights me though is this is the this is the fourth movie featuring Iron Man in like what is it five years? When did the, when did the first one premiere? Two thousand seven. I'd have to yeah. look it up. Yeah, it was like five or six yeah. years. So it's the fourth Iron Man movie in six years. I think it's a testament to, I think how good the Avengers was and how good Robert Downey Jr. is. Yes. That I am not. I am as excited for this movie as if it was Iron Man one. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. It, the tone of it looks completely different. The look of it, it, it looks different. Like it just, there are moments in it that just feel incredibly fresh to me. Um, I am incredibly excited to see what they do with it. Uh, you know, you know, the cast is great. You know, you got Guy Pierce who's in the trailer for like a, yeah. a half a second. Um, well, that's you know, smirk. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Ben Kingsley, obviously Robert Downey Jr., Gwyneth Paltrow, it, it, um, Don Cheadle is back. And, you know, it looks like they're really going to take him to a very, very intense personal place. Cause obviously something happened with pepper. We don't know what that is, yeah. but it doesn't look good. It doesn't look good at all. Um, yeah, I'm really, really stoked about it. Um, and I was thinking about this after the trailer. It's amazing. This is Marvel's, this is Marvel's crown jewel of their collection, the Marvel studios. Yeah. And I mean, I want to ask you, Bobby. I mean, you've been reading comics a lot longer than us. Do you think it feels kind of bizarre that Iron Man is the crown jewel of the Marvel yeah, Cinematic the, Universe? The Iron Man, to everyone now, it's a big deal character. He was in their B list. Right. I mean, he was one of the early characters, but it was never 
never an A Marvel title. This was not Spidey FF. He was in the Avengers, yeah, but he was the equal of everyone else. Their B's. Mm-hmm. It's just about making a good movie. Yeah, there was a, all the all the Marvel characters have great backstories, personal struggles, humans. You know, superheroes with feet of clay is what Stan always said. Yeah. They, they have problems. The, you play it out the right way as the books were written. Show show me that character. Regular people relate. Mm-hmm. To Robert Downey yeah. and the way he plays it. Once you see the movie, no, I, I, I couldn't believe they were making an Iron Man movie to start <laughs> right. with. But then once they did, it's like all the great facets of those characters are there. And yeah. the, 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 someone, Favreau paid attention. Yeah. And, you know, I think that a lot of the times, and I think Stephanie's mentioned a lot of times before that sometimes when you, they make comic movies, the characters in the books without reflecting those those people sometimes to the detriment of, of those characters. She mentioned Rogue from the X Men. Yes. Um, you know, I, I I I don't think there's ever been anything better for the character of Iron Man than Robert Downey Jr. playing the role. Because when I read Tony now in the books, that's who I I hear Robert Downey Jr.'s voice yes, in my so head. Do I. You know, I think he's defined that character in, in in a lot of ways. Well, I think he had drifted through the. 80s and 90s mm-hmm. into something other than he was but if you go back and read those original tales of suspense mm-hmm. he was a cavalier playboy mm-hmm. drinking his hand models hanging off his arm racing cars all the things you see robert downey doing right were there at the start yeah. and they went away from them when they got maybe a little too serious with them and yeah so it's going but these movies have been silver age marvel movies mm-hmm. across the board yeah which is pretty amazing considering that they're 50 years old and they still play today yeah yeah, absolutely. Um, and they, uh, oh, you know, if you heard about this, Bobby, and this is obviously not about Iron Man, this is Captain America stuff, but they, uh, they're talking heavily about uh, uh, casting Sharon Carter. It's not going to be Haley Atwell. Oh, but uh, I can't remember who they said that. Uh, they're, they're talking to a couple actresses. I think Mary Elizabeth Winstead is one of the people they've been talking to, talking about hmm. uh, taking over that role, and a couple of people as well. Um, and they also, uh, there's talk of a villain might have just gotten cast. Um, hmm, but we don't know which villain as of I, yet. I, 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 I can't remember. I, I can't remember who they said it was. But um, yeah, I think that the the trailer is amazing, and I'm so excited for it. Um, but those other clips you saw, they had the humor in them, Steve. The one you saw at the breakfast. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I said, the if you remember the scene of him testing out his suit equipment and you know flying into his various cars and stuff like that sprayed with foam and all yeah, yeah yeah it definitely has uh has that tone to it but i mean the trailer just uh it's it got me so excited i haven't i've never been that excited for an iron man uh film and i mean iron man's had uh he's had the most time to become a developed character within that world also i think that you know by the time that uh like uh captain america 2 comes out or thor 2 that those characters will i think we're going to see major improvements with those as well I'm very interested to see how those movies do now that those two characters they have had their own movies and be, have been in the Avengers because I think hmm. those movies are going to do better than their their yeah. first counterparts. They did well, but not spectacular. But mm-hmm. they, they did very well for you know characters that not a lot of people know with not big stars in the, in the role. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of Iron Man's success I think has to do with the fact is the Robert Downey Jr. factor is people have always liked Robert Downey Jr. He just had so many problems, and now and people love a comeback story and the fact that he's coming back. He looks hilarious in this movie. It looks like it's a lot of fun. I think that a lot to do with the success of of Iron Man, um, and probably a lot to do with the fact that we got all these movies. You know, oh, okay, um, Crossbones. 
was the was the character? Uh, uh, very deadly assassin okay. character. Yeah. So that's that's the villain they talked about oh. from uh, uh, from Captain America, possibly cool. being in and there. Sharon and the Falcon and, yeah, and Winter Soldier. And, yeah, yeah. There's a lot, a lot jam packed with stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, that's the Iron Man three uh, teaser. Go check it out if you haven't checked it out yet. On our site. On our site. Yeah, on our site. On Nobody our else. Site. <laughs> We're the exactly. only people that have it. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't hear any of the other stuff before. Uh, also, a little bit of movie news. Um, uh, DC won a lawsuit with the Siegel family, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, Se- yeah, the Siegel heirs were <laughs> the Siegels. <laughs> yeah, they're hovering over the corpse. That's my magpie. So now, now what's happened is there was there was a lot of questions about what what control they're gonna have after, over Superman after I think it was twenty thirteen or twenty fourteen. Yes. I think was the. They didn't know, and now they know. They have control of the origin. They 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 they, have, they can do whatever they want with the character now. So now there's talk that the reason why they've been very cagey about Justice League movies is because they didn't want to go forward until they knew what they had with Superman. Didn't want to get themselves, you know, in the middle of the, you know, a shit's creek without a paddle, and not yeah. be able to use the character anymore. So now they're saying that they might be pushing for Justice League to come out in 2015. Um, Obviously, not by the Marvel model of introducing no, these characters. Don't rush it, DC. <laughs> They're gonna rush it. Yeah, don't rush it. You're gonna fuck it up. I think there's a real good chance of that. I, I hate to say that because I still want to see a Flash on the screen and Wonder Woman and all the yeah. rest of it. But if you cram it all into we we had a whole show about yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. You cram it into one movie. Mm-hmm. This is gonna be three and a half hours long. It's gonna be Lord of the Rings. Yeah. The only the only <laughs> the only thing about them, the only slight difference they have, and we talked about this before, is that their characters are much more well known. You know, and you can you can frontline Superman and Batman, and then kind of let everybody else come into their own. I think more naturally, you know, mm-hmm. instead of having to force introductions of everybody. But then they turn into it, when they did the Justice Society way way back in the '40s. Superman and Batman were in a couple of stories, mm-hmm. basically not because they overshadowed everyone else. Right. And even in the early Justice Leagues, it was the other. It was let Martian Manhunter, Green Arrow, mm-hmm. Green Lantern, let them do some stuff. Yeah, Superman takes all the air out of the room. Yeah, it's true. I mean, it's true. I, I, I'd be very interested in what's going to happen. I, I, I think you're going to be hearing a lot of news about it in the next couple of weeks, next couple of months. I think you're going to start hearing a lot because if they're going to get it out of 2015, they got to start moving yeah. pretty, pretty soon. Maybe they should do double team-up movies first, mm-hmm. throw a Superman, Batman together. You yeah. should get some good writers on this stuff. <laughs> you don't have good writers. You're doomed. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I haven't seen, you know, Will Beatty, I think, is the guy, or Stuart Beatty, I think, is the guy who's writing it, and he's the guy who wrote a movie called Gangster Squad that spoke, has supposed to be out already, but it's coming out, uh, and that looks really good, and apparently... Oh, it, is that it, the one where they, they pulled the trailer because it was shooting everybody in the audience? They pulled the movie. Yeah. Oh, they, they, wow. Yeah, they, they, yeah. they recut the scene of the movie because of it, and that's why it's coming out in January. It was supposed to be out already. Wow. Um... And that movie is apparently very good. So we'll see what happens. I think once a director gets signed on, you're going to see it like fall like a house of cards. You're, it's just going to happen. And I, I almost guarantee you, you're going to see John Stewart Green Lantern and not Hal Jordan Green Lantern for the movie. Because I, th- I, I don't think they want to, they, I don't think they want to confuse people. You know, I keep thinking of Daily Show John Stewart every time. I say <laughs> I'd like that, to see him. I'm picturing him as yeah. the Green Lantern, and I'm just like, yes, yeah. <laughs> pre-order my tickets now. <laughs> Uh, but at that point, maybe they should do Boz. Maybe who knows what the, uh, I, where, where that's going to go. I think they're yeah. still going to keep hold on to like some, at least something that seems familiar to people because a lot of people our age, you know, from the cartoon, from the cartoon, yeah. from the Justice League cartoon, the Green Lantern is the John Stewart Green Lantern from the Justice League Unlimited cartoon. So yeah, uh, so interesting stuff going on. You know, a lot of movie news. Uh, it's it's going to be interesting time. 
uh, I, I'm excited to hear about it. You know, more than anything else. So I just hope Man of Steel is good because if Man of Steel isn't good, they're in a lot of trouble. <laughs> yeah. They're in an exceeding amount of trouble if Man of Steel isn't good. You know, it's not even like if, if Captain America hadn't been good or Thor hadn't been good, it would have been a setback for the Avengers. But it was still coming. The Avengers yeah. was already coming. And so it was it already, it, it's again, it's like if, if Thor isn't good, nobody knows who Thor is. So they're not going to be like, oh my God, this guy wasn't that good. It's Superman. If Superman isn't good and then you put out a Justice League movie, people are going to be not so happy. I tell you, I'd love to see the sales numbers. I guarantee you that Captain America and Thor as a DVD Blu-ray thing sold much more after the Avengers came out probably than it did when it came out initially. Probably or right up to the lead up of the Avengers. Yes, yeah, people's mm-hmm. so, wait a minute. These were pretty good. I yeah. need to have these too. Yeah. I mean, I got to tell you, my mom didn't see Captain America before she saw the Avengers. Captain America was her favorite character in the movie. And she's like, I have I have to see that movie now. Hmm. You know? And so you, you don't think that when Captain America two comes out, she's gonna be absolutely yeah. stoked Apes. to go see yeah. it you know absolutely she will so uh, and, and she loves Thor as well she's allowed on DVD and she and I'm sure when Thor 2 comes out she's gonna want to see it in the theater now so uh, you know Marvel has done it the right way obviously with their movies but let's see what happens with DC um, back to books we actually have an email uh, from <gasps> Adam Shaw uh, he said I'm glad to hear you all had a good time at NYCC you should all make it to Dragon Con one year less corporate marketing and more about partying um, Yo, <laughs> I think we did enough partying for one week. Oh God, you're telling me. Um, he has two questions. Um, first, what did you all think of Uncanny Avengers as the first Marvel Now number one? Do you feel it was an accessible book for new readers? Personally, the book failed to grab me, and I was rather bored by the end. I'm pretty much a Spidey and FF reader, so knew almost nothing going in. So, Bob, what about you? What do you think? Um, if you were reading AVX, you, not much of a problem. There are some longer-term things. It's it's all the Wanda stuff, and you've got to get to that. Uh, if you had that zero issue in AVX, you, you're good to go, I, I suppose. It's a little, uh, it's still a little off-putting. We, we, you know, we've turned Scott into the worst villain in the Marvel universe, and he still comes off as a complete jerk. <laughs> Uh, Captain America seemed like Captain America finally, which was yes. very nice. Mm-hmm. Their moments together, Cap is starting to turn back into Cap. Mm-hmm. Um, I think moving forward, if you're going to want to follow these Avengers books, this is one you're going to have to start with. Right. Everything is set into place here. Mm-hmm. Um, hold your nose a little bit. Go for it. Not the worst thing you're ever going to read. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. It's a, it's a half a great book. Um, I think as I liked the book, and I think it's a good start of something. As far as being the first Marvel Now book and how much of a, of a jumping on point it is for new readers, I think it's a little bit tough as far as... It has characters that aren't well-known to people outside of, you know, the the, the mm-hmm. comic book reading populace. You know, Scarlet Witch is a little bit of a, a niche character. You know, obviously Havoc is a, is a very niche character. I mean, he's in uh, X-Men First Class, and that might help. But you don't really get the, you know, they don't even really play on that at all in this. You know, they no. don't even, not that that's even the same person at all, but they don't give you even a sense that, you hey, you know who this character is. Um, I don't think they're really looking for a completely new readers here. Not for that book. No, I don't. And I agree with you on that. Yeah. You know, the, my, some of my complaints are really, you know, Wanda did some very bad stuff, as did Scott. Anything that's gone wrong, basically, was put into play by her No More Mutants things. It's the House of M and Disassembled. Yeah. All the rest happened from that. And though I love seeing her back, her getting to be an Avenger again is sort of like 
excusing Darth Vader at the end of Jedi <laughs> and letting him go to Jedi heaven after blowing up, I don't know, billions and billions of people because he saved his son. <laughs> it, it doesn't play. When they, when Jim Shooter ran Marvel and they wanted to excuse Jean Grey as the Phoenix, it was, no, she killed the planet of the broccoli people and she's got to be punished. I, I, love, I love that statement. She killed the planet of the broccoli people. Can I, can I just can I clarify? The were they actually broccoli people, or yes. is that just a wow? Yeah, well, no, they had uh, green straight heads with goofy hair. They're actually the the aliens that are in Avengers two, way back in 1962. <laughs> wow, they, you know, Byrne drew them in there. Like, little broccoli people, and Shooter wanted her punished for all eternity on some rock, just being tortured forever. Mm-hmm. And John Byrne's reply was, "Well, f that. I'll just kill her." Right. And then created one of the greatest storylines ever. Mm-hmm. Well, Wanda did something reasonably the same. Mm-hmm. Scott's in prison with his goofball helmet on with the big, <laughs> with the big uh, glasses in yeah, front yeah. of him. And she gets to be an Avenger. Mm-hmm. I love that she's an Avenger, but not so much. That's, okay. all, that's my hold my nose moment. Okay. I will say this. The red skull in the book is, oh. is pretty great. <laughs> yeah. Best he's been in a long time. Yeah, I'm excited about that. And I'm excited about... The thing I must like about this book is... It has the potential to be bizarre. You know, the Red Skull thing is bizarre. What he's doing is really yeah. weird and, 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 and messed up in that, in that great <laughs> way, you know? And I hope that the book keeps on kind of that, you know, that path. I hope that it's obviously going to be serious. It's obviously going to have a, a lot of hooks into all of the Marvel Universe, but I really hope that it keeps the bizarre feeling of, of that Red Skull stuff, yeah. you know? Leave Hickman to the cosmic. Yeah, Steve, did you uh, get a chance to check it out? Yep. What do you think of it? It's all right. It's all right? It's all right. <laughs> um, I definitely think that it would help uh, tremendously if you read AVX, as yeah. far as it being a jumping on book. Mm-hmm. Uh, it kind of feels like it should have been called like Uncanny Aftermath or something like that, <laughs> because that's pretty much what it is. Is it's the after- I mean, I'm not reading Schmann sequences or shenanigans. Shenanigans. It's <laughs> AVX shenanigans. Um, I just, I'm honestly, after several months, I'm, I'm just, I'm so burnt out mm-hmm. with the whole AVX thing. The, the conclusion of it was such a, a glowering disappointment. Well, we'll get to that. We're yeah. going to talk about it. I know. We have to put up the spoiler marker. Yeah. But no, I'm not going to yeah. say, but I, I just, I only have one thing to say about it really when we get to it, but that's besides the point. Um, it, does it have three letters? Yeah. Okay. That's what I thought. No, it's, it's like, it's a uncanny Avengers. It's a cool book i'm interested in it but it's not at the top of my i think it's interesting that with all this marvel now stuff starting pretty much because of the avx event or at least in the avengers x-men world Mm -hmm. that more stuff pertaining to what went on in avx is like the last thing that i'm interested in right Mm -hmm. now like i almost wish that we could just wipe the slate clean Mm -hmm. or i'll just focus on the other books um i just I just don't think that it's the greatest start. Like unless you have a friend that like sits you down and like you don't want to read all of AVX and is like this is what happened. Mm-hmm. You could basically sum it up in four good issues and a panel and and that's it. Mm-hmm. And then once you get that information, you're good mm-hmm. and you can go and you can go and enjoy this to your heart's content. Um but I don't think that it's a good jumping on point for people that haven't haven't been paying attention for the last six however many months it's been gotcha i don't even know anymore <laughs> <laughs> his uh his second question is 
Um, I mentioned accessibility to new readers. Have any of you ever read Atomic Robo? I'd recommend it to you all. There are plenty of free issues on Comixology to give it a try, and each art can be read pretty much in any order. I've got a robot built by... It's got a robot built by Tesla that kills Nazis, goes on an Indiana Jones-esque science-fueled adventures through different eras, trips to Mars, vampire dimensions, and has dinosaur that claims he can travel through time. And for Steve, the current art features a strong, independent, all-female band of World War II pilots... Check it out, guys. Hey, hey. It's Adam from so, Tokyo. That's sold for me. <laughs> People are starting to know my song. <laughs> They're um, on to me. Have you read any Atomic Robo? I read one issue of Atomic Robo that came out probably about two months ago. Uh, I have to admit, I wasn't really taken by it. Um, I enjoyed it. I like the artwork. I like the artwork a lot. Um, I think I need to read more of it before I have any kind of like real opinion. I don't want to, I don't want to just push it to the side when I haven't investigated it entirely. Um, I remember it was one of those books that I read. I liked it. Okay. But it, there was a lot going on then Mm -hmm. and it was either that or many other things. And it just, it got the cut. Right. Um, but if somebody handed me a trade of it or whatever, I would certainly Mm -hmm. read it. Hmm. You like the, you like the description, Bob? Hmm. I like the description. Yeah. So, and yeah, it reminds me of Rusty the Big Guy Robot. Well, so, you read the Jeff same Darrow thing that ago. I did. You weren't too enthused by it either. No, I leaped through it at the store. See? <laughs> sort of, it went behind. But, no, I'd, uh, give, I'd, I'd give it a shot. Yeah. Like I said, if somebody gave me like a completed arc and was like, here, check this out, <laughs> I would. I just don't know that I would throw down uh, money on it just now. Gotcha. Light week tomorrow. So maybe we'll, we'll look at it at uh, yeah, the store. We'll no, it's, no, if it's a light week tomorrow, it's because I don't do shit like buy Atomic <laughs> Robo. No offense. You still have to buy all the Punisher. Oh, God. Because yeah, Warzone to starts buy- tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> or today. Uh, or whatever. Um, ah, you did it this time. Yeah, I did. Nice. Uh, so this is from Mike Jennings. This question for you, Steve. Yeah. The go. subject of this email is whispers. He said, um, Yeah, where the hell is it? On one of the first episodes I listened to, Steve was talking about an indie title by Joshua Luna, I believe. It was an image title called Whispers. I took his advice and picked it up, and it was the first indie title I had tried. Steve was dead on. I loved it. And I'm wondering, however, what has happened to it? Yeah, where the fuck is it? <laughs> I read up to issue three and haven't seen anything since. I'm not sure if this is an ongoing title or a miniseries. Can you shed some light on this by any chance? I can. Okay. All right. What is his Go. name? Mark? Uh, Mike. Mike, yeah, sorry. It's okay. A- apologize to Mike, first of all. <laughs> Mike, I apologize for calling you Mark. Mark is also a good name. Um, no, there are only three issues of this amazing, amazing series. Um, yeah, it's one of those things. We were Bobby and I joke around every time that um, a book, uh, Brian Michael Bendis's Brilliant, comes out, yeah, yeah. or um, or at this point, America's Got Powers. What the <laughs> hell, you know? Um, it's one of these things where I think that it's a creator-owned book. He writes it, he draws it, he does all the planning, all the everything. Um, I think it's something that he just does in his own free time. Mm-hmm. Um, and that it's not necessarily, I don't know what they do on the side, but maybe it's not their top priority to get their books out. Um, from what I understand, like every Luna Brothers series kind of took its time with coming out. Um, so yeah, there are only three issues of it. There have been things in previews. I know what the cover of the fourth issue looks like. It's like uh, one of those, uh, Rorschach ink block tests of like a moth man face thing. And it looks amazing. I'd love to read it, especially since the last page of issue number three is burned into my face and I want to know what happens. 
Um, you're just going to have to wait. As soon as it's coming out, uh, we will be talking about it. Mm-hmm. I will review it, and I will be <laughs> shouting it on my Twitter account. Um, and in the meantime, the, um, check out anything else that the Lunar Brothers have done, especially the sword and girls in particular. Uh, and also, there's another book coming out by the other Lunar Brother, yeah. which is... The Wonderland it? book, right? It's something something else Something Star Bright... Some, yeah, some, I don't remember what it's yeah, called. Yeah, it's, it's a, one of those long title theories. Tale. You mean there were fairy three Lunar Brothers? What's that? Two. A third? Two. Oh, there okay. are two. Um, that is coming out, I believe, next month. Um, the title escapes me. I apologize. Um, if I could, well, we will figure it out because we have the internet. Yeah. Um, we will let you know soon. I think Bobby's doing something. I'm trying so I'm to find gonna, it. I'm just going to keep it, talking. Yeah, keep talking. Um, so yeah, I recommend, uh, girls I read in one day in one sitting. Absolutely phenomenal. Uh, the sword is probably my favorite book ever. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I highly recommend that. And I'm trying to think if there's anything else you should read if you really like Whispers. Star Bright and the Looking Glass. There you go. Jonathan Luna. Jonathan Luna. Yeah. That book Bobby just said that I've already forgotten. Star Bright and the Looking Glass. <laughs> Keep thinking Starbuck. Star Bright and the Looking Star Glass. Star Bright, Starlight, and the Looking Glass. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, all right. That's enough out of me. If you go on their site, actually, I'm just on their site right now. Uh, Jonathan, uh, I guess Luna, did a a picture of Haley Jordan, which is like a female Hal Jordan like uh, picture. And it's oh, awesome. awesome. It's pretty cool. So check out their website, um, lunarbrothers.com. Uh, so yeah, but no information on when Whispers 4 comes out. <laughs> it was in previews. It's like June, right? The last issue? Yeah. Yeah. I've nice. seen it. I've, I've seen the cover. I yeah. know what it looks like. But yeah, it's just one of those things where it probably won't come out for another two months. Yeah. June 27th was when Whispers 3 came out. Wow. And uh, Starbright and Looking Glass comes out November 14th. There you that go. That comes out. Um, and, uh, oh, we have a question on Twitter as well uh, that I want to read out real quick. Though if I can get it up. Of course, it takes longer than it should. Okay. Uh, from Ninja Turtle Zero on Twitter. <laughs> uh, wants to know, uh, you guys have any advice on selling comics? I got to clear up these boxes a bit. What are we selling? Do we have any idea? No, no information, no. Uh, the real problem with selling, if you sell to a store, they're reselling. So you're selling wholesale to a retailer, Mm -hmm. uh, put together sets. If you can try to sell them yourself on eBay or I offer one of those things. We also, uh, during the console, uh, I'm going to want to make sure it's nerdular. Okay. Mm -hmm. Where they're, they're starting the, their own site for us to sell things, sell it yourself, but, but. Realize you're not going to get a whole lot. Do your own research. Find out what rare books you have and separate those out. But then make sets. Newer books aren't worth what books from the 60s and 50s and 40s were worth. You're not going to send your kids to college. If you're cleaning out the boxes, think of it as bulk. Sell books five or ten at a time. Story arcs, $10 for 10 books. Mm -hmm. Take the $10 and run. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, good news. What? For Mike. Uh, This Halloween... October 31st, Whispers number four. So next week. Yeah. Ooh. Next Apparently, week. supposedly, we'll we'll see. Yeah. Only um, five months. Yeah. Only five months. <laughs> so uh, we should have the next one by what? April, June? Yeah, probably. <laughs> 2015. So, yeah. So hopefully, uh, yeah, hopefully Halloween day, go to your local comic shop and you will find a copy of Whispers number four. That's one thing about the indie titles, right? Is that, you know, maybe the schedule is for the 
the big two are a little too strict and maybe you know that's why you have all these different artists and why you know you get two books a month and stuff like that but you know the thing about Crayer Hotels is that they don't have that schedule to them so sometimes you go these huge long swaths of time without getting you know a book back I'll go on a quick mini rant you know Jack Kirby drew like eight books a month right yeah come on yeah <laughs> it, it can be done it can be it done. really can be done Absolutely. there's a it, it's very creator centric right now and mm-hmm. so you don't want to rush things and we let them go and so mm-hmm. books come out when they come out yeah <laughs> speaking of jack kirby jira mark millar talked about josh trank's fantastic four movie yeah and he said it's going to be very jack kirby-ish yeah just love when you hear things like that yeah. just as we discovered you know matt fraction reading old ff issues to make sure he gets the tone right yeah he started a whole twitter account where he just started posting like his favorite issues and really? panels and stuff and the most ridiculous things yeah it's, it's a pretty cool thing to follow if you want to be into that into that thing uh yeah um so we talked about books that are coming out next week books that haven't come out in a long time we're going to talk about books that are on the shelves right now oh good all right so uh from boom studios adventure time number nine yay uh bravest warriors number one. Oh, finally yes what's that what is that that is uh pendleton ward's new series okay so who's pendleton uh, ward Pendleton Ward is the creator of Adventure Time. Ah, okay. So he has another, sh- I believe it's a show, but they're they're starting them simultaneously. Okay. Uh, the comic, obviously, oh. is also being released today. Cool. Very cool. Yes. Um, Clive Barker's Hellraiser, number 19, and Extermination, number 5. Um, from Dark Horse, we have Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Spike, number 3. Dark Horse Presents, number 17. Ghost, number one. Yay. Sweet. Uh, Mind Management, number six. Sweet. And that is it. There's a bunch of Star Wars trades, but I'm not going to read them out. Oh, Untold <laughs> Tales of Dog, Mendonica, and Pizza Boy, one shot. So that's an interesting name. <laughs> oh, if it was Pizza Dog, I would have been more excited. <laughs> uh, DC Comics, All-Star Western, number 13. Batman Incorporated, number four. Batman the Dark Knight, number 13. Yeah. Uh, Fables, number 122. Flash, number 13. Fury of Firestorm, The Nuclear Men, number 13. It's a new team on that book now. Um, Too late. Um, I, Vampire, number 13. Uh, Justice League Dark, number 13. Um, National Comics, Madame X, number one. Red Lanterns, number 13. Savage Hawkman, number 13. Superman, number 13. Talon, number one. Teen Titans number 13 and Unwritten number 42. I have to buy that Superman. What am I letting myself in for? Oh, that's right, because you have the, the Supergirl, Supergirl tie. Oh, that's that, that Hell on Earth. Hell on yeah, Earth. Yeah, that three. It's a, a Life three in issue Hell event, or whatever. Right? The... Well, no, it's the three series event. Uh, yeah. It's uh, Superboy, Superman, and Supergirl. Yeah, but it's only one issue per, right? I don't think so. Oh, God. I think it's at least three. <laughs> oh. <laughs> really? Yeah. Buy like like Superman 13 and then yeah. check back to see oh, what's. Oh, yeah. why? <laughs> I'll just read it in the store and cheat. Shit. Um, from Dynamite Entertainment, Lord of the Jungle, number eight. Um, Marcus Nispel's Chosen, number one of three. <laughs> Panther, number four. Oh. Panther. Red Sonia, number seven. <laughs> that ends with an A, too. Yeah. Shadow, number six. Um, Robert Jordan's The Wheel of Time, The Eye of the World, number 30. And Warriors of Mars, number five. Um, from IDW, we have Alan Roberts' Killology, number one. Battle Beasts, nope. number four. So Cobra number 18. La, 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 la. <laughs> Kiss random. number five. It's not random at all. <laughs> uh, Ghostbusters 100 page spooktacular. Ooh, spooky. Um, Let's Play God number one. Oh, just That's a great title. And Star Trek The Next Generation Doctor Who Assimilation Squared number six. <laughs> there we go. 
So I gotta write that. Down. Isosceles. <laughs> Image Comics. We have Artifacts number twenty-two, uh, Debris number four, uh, which is the last issue of that. Hack Slash number nineteen. Invincible number 96, Little Depressed Boy number 14, Aww. Multiple Warheads, Alphabet to Infinity. Sweet, yes. Number one of four, Prophet number 30, Revival number four, Spawn number 224, Thief of Thieves number eight. Oh, no, sorry, that's the second printing, so don't worry about that. You can put that one back in your, your coffin. I'm only up to 12 books so far. I'm doing good. <laughs> um, from Marvel Comics. Well, here, we, here we go. <laughs> Uh, a babies versus X babies number one. Yes, you're definitely getting that. <laughs> yeah. um, Amazing Spider-Man number six ninety six. I'm reviewing that. I'm calling that. Astonishing X-Men number fifty five. Yes. Uh, Avengers number thirty two. AVX Consequences number three of five. Blech. Captain America number nineteen. Last the final one. issue. Yep. Um, it ends his what seven year run. Uh, about that. Uh, yeah. Um, Edward Baker, Deadpool number 63, um, Captain America and Black Widow number 638. I missed the boat on that one. Um, FF number 23, also the final issue. Yay! Uh, Gambit number four, Incredible <laughs> Hulk number 15. <laughs> Sorry. Also Sorry, final rep. Issue. <laughs> uh, another Invincible Iron Man number 527, also the final yeah. issue. And that's also a long run. That's Fraction's been on that book for a really long time. Um, Journey to Mystery 645, that's also Kieran Gillen's last issue. Aww. That's the end of the Loki story. Yes. Um, we have uh, Punisher Warzone number one, which this is the end of the Rucka run on Rucka, Punisher. Rucka, Rucka, Rucka. Uh, Secret Avengers number 33. Um, Ultimate Comics, The Ultimates uh, number 17. Wolverine number 315. Uh, we have Wolverine Max number one. Um, <laughs> Extreme X-Men number five. Uh, and then from Valiant, we have oh, just a bunch of second printings and stuff, so you don't worry about that. But... Uh, from Xenoscope, we have Giant Size Grim Fairy Tales 2012. We have Grim Fairy Tales number 78. Grim Fairy Tales Halloween Special 2012. Grim Fairy Tales Myths and Legends number 21. <laughs> and Irresistible number four. Yeah. I'm actually really looking forward to that. That's been quite, actually quite good. Irresistible. <laughs> it's funny. I, yeah. think, I, well, I think it's funny. Mm-hmm. A lot of people would say that it's <laughs> perverted, but I think it's funny. <laughs> All right, so uh, well, that's really the end of our show proper. Uh, you know, we're gonna—I'm actually going to—we're gonna say our goodbyes. I'm gonna play the music, and then after the music is over, we're gonna discuss the end of Avengers versus X Men. Full spoiler. So if you guys have not been reading it and you don't want to be spoiled on it, obviously do not keep listening past the end. But listen next week. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> next week we won't talk about it at all. So uh, we're, again, we're gonna say our goodbyes. Music, <laughs> spoiler talk. So you know. If you're like away from your iPod right now, you're away from your speakers. If you hear that music playing, you got a couple, you got about thirty seconds until you hear a spoiler for <laughs> Avengers vs X Men. All right, so that is the end for talking comics for this week. For Steve, <laughs> bye. Actually, wait up before because everybody's gonna be listening at Talking Comics on Twitter. There you go. Info at TalkingComicBooks.com is our email address. TalkingComicBooks.com is our website. Um, go there for articles, reviews. Next week, we're going to be doing a lot of Halloween-themed stuff, so look out for that. Um, again, we say this every week, but our contributors have been doing an awesome job pumping out reviews, yes, articles. Yes, absolutely. Especially over amazing. the con, yeah. Yeah, they were just great. I mean, you know, we were all crazy busy, and they were they just didn't let the site lag at all in the time that we were there. And I've been sitting next amazing. to my computer with my feet up. <laughs> <laughs> They're amazing. So, you know, all of those guys, you know, 
say a big thank you to them. And uh, one of our contributors, uh, Melissa, is going to be having her baby very soon. So yep. congratulations. Good wishes to her as well. Um, my personal Twitter is at Bobby Shortle. Steve's is... Mine is at dead underscore anchorous. Stephanie's is obviously at Hello Cookie and Bob's email address. Bob Ryer at TalkingComicBooks.com. Absolutely. So now that is it for the show. Uh, for Steve. Toodles. Bob. Mm, see you in a couple of seconds. <laughs> <laughs> I have been Bobby. Until next time on Talking Comics, to be continued. Right. Everybody who didn't want to know the end is gone. It right. stinks. Yeah, get the kids out of the room. <laughs> Here we go. We're going to talk a little Avengers versus X-Men. Um, I can tell you this. Why don't you, why don't you go first? I can tell you right now, Stephanie is probably so glad that she's not here for this. <laughs> she didn't even read it. She <laughs> hated it. She's still waiting. She hated it. Um, okay. My little AVX rant. It could. We've been we've been saying this the whole time. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna try not to repeat all the stuff that we've already talked about because I don't want to make this too long. But talk about something that really did not need to be as long as it turned out to be, especially with all the tie-in issues. As much as I did enjoy some of the tie-ins, some of them were very funny. Some of them were very poignant. Some of them introduced me to characters that I didn't know before, and I really liked them, but then they didn't do anything else with them, so it left me kind of wanting. But um, as far as the AVX 0 through 12, I found that maybe four issues of them were solid, and the rest were kind of just ho-hum or no good at all. Um, my whole thing is really that there's there's one panel inside of round 12 that... I think honestly that all they really needed to do was take a make a cover and you open up the cover and it's just a full panel of that one page and you turn the page and that's the back cover and it's over. (laughs) What panel is that? That is the Scarlet Witch and Hope holding hands. And what were the words, Bob? Uh, No more Phoenix. No more Phoenix. No more Phoenix. It was. Not that it was easy, but it was that easy. Well, we also knew that was going to have to... I, I was well, joking there would be that. no more Avengers before the thing even started. It was right. going to have to go right. there. We joked about that being yeah. the solution, and that, of course, ended up being the solution. And it's just... I mean, it was so obvious. It was such a... It, I don't know. For something that's supposed to change the universe it just felt like a like a a whisper instead of a bang okay for the end to something that people put a lot of and i'm not even bitching from like a a consumer's perspective because we have the choice whether to buy it or not Mm -hmm. you know no one's putting a gun to your head and telling you to buy uh avengers but like for all the talent that went into these books and all the the people that i know are solid writers I just felt like a lot of them were not on top of their game during this event. Like, I, I feel that a few of them had even, like, tapped out. One of them, um, one of the examples, even though it's not directly AVX, but it is, is the last issue of the Verses, 
Did you get to read that? No, I, I read no. the first issue. Shit. That yeah, I gave up on that, that too, right then. That book sucked. <laughs> it was so bad. It was it was one of those books that I couldn't decide when I read it if I was supposed to be having a lot of fun or if it was just a waste of my time. Mm-hmm. They instead of playing out like one final big battle between like the two main dudes, it was just this culmination of all these little battles that were happening wrapped up in like one to two page snippets and it it really felt like they had either picked up stuff off the cutting room floor or they had like like called them at 3 30 in the morning and woken them up and being like yo we need a couple of pages for this book what do you got (laughs) like um i don't know Silver Surfer comes in, he gets knocked off his board, he makes a joke, and then somebody farts, and that's the end. <laughs> okay, we could do that. And it was just not the way that I that I pictured it going out. It really felt like everybody was kind of yawning by the end. And when I feel that coming from the teams that are in charge of these books, it just it says something about the event, that that people were not really... Like you're paid to be excited about it. You're paid to talk big about it. But the event that they pulled together just didn't seem like something that was worth the efforts of all these great people that were on these books. Mm-hmm. So that's my that's my uh, end all. No, I agree. There were moments, the Spider-Man moment, mm-hmm. which I think was in a new Avengers one, where he's giving the speech to Hope. There were little bits and pieces all through it, but... With those creative teams, it was sort of as if you took Secretariat and hooked her to an ice wagon. I mean, wh- you've got all this great talent, but so beholden to how this story had to play out over so much time in so many books, having a real rhythm, having the notes fall naturally, and then with some books coming out before or after they were supposed to, now you had disjointed mm-hmm. continuity. At the end of it, let's hope there's some real change that this, as I said before, we get to some different sort of stories now and not just more events over and over and over again. Mm. This did sell a lot. This put them at the top of the sales charts. It did. Month after month after month. Um, Could have been a a more concise story. Could have been better told. Could have been less telegraphed. Characters could have stayed true to themselves here and there. Mm -hmm. Making Scott Summers... I don't know what's been going on in the X-Books over the last five or six years, like 10 years since I really read it regularly. When did he become the world's biggest jerk? When did he lose focus completely? Well, I mean, it's been, it's been happening over the years. You know, it's been happening since the House of Emma. It's been happening since, you know, without Gene. It, you know, it's it's been developing. And, you know, I, I think, you know, and, and there are, you know, there are some fundamental philosophical differences that you and I have about writing in comic books mm-hmm. and writing in this, in this stuff. And, you know, I, I think it's interesting to take a character who is brink so you can bring him back. You, you know, I, I, I like that idea. Um, and I think that Scott's at his lowest point right now. And I, I feel like, you know, after, obviously what happens is, you know, for everybody who read it, you know, obviously he t- inherits all the Phoenix Force. He becomes the Phoenix and he turns into the Dark Phoenix and he starts destroying what he was making. You know, um, and they have to figure out a way to take him down. But see, is afterwards... He's now smug. He's supposedly now not the Dark Phoenix. Yeah, and he's smug about all the destruction. But well, I was right. Right. I he, brought back. The, yeah, we're in spoiler. T- yeah, I yeah. brought back all the mutants. Yeah. by just scattering the Phoenix. Well, or hope scattering the Phoenix power all over the place. Mm. Oh, so you're right. So you restored a couple of thousand mutants and killed well everyone who lives in Wakanda. Right. Half of New York. 
cities all over the globe mm-hmm. have been blown to smithereens. Right. You didn't fix them. Right. To be fair, but he, I was right. Yeah, to be fair, he didn't destroy Wakanda. Namor destroyed Wakanda. Okay, but. <laughs> by 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 the actions of the yeah, Phoenix no, absolutely. as, as yes. a group. Yeah, yeah. You know, well, yeah, Hitler made the trains run on time. Well, Mussolini <laughs> made the trains run on time, and he yeah. thought they thought they were right. Yeah, he stepped over a bunch of corpses to hit a reset button. He did That's very right. nicely done. And uh, but to be fair, you know, Marvel. It's not like the treasure painting Scott as a hero. They're, they're painting Scott as someone who is deranged right now, who has gone down a very dark path. And I think that. I think Scott's Redemption is going to come in the all-new X-Men book. I think that's what they're aiming for. I think that's what's going to bring him back from the brink that he's on right now is seeing this younger version of himself kind of show him where he went wrong and, you know, miss his mission or what have mm-hmm. you. Um, I, I The ending of, I well, you know, I, I really liked Eleven a lot, and that's obviously, we didn't talk about this, Xavier dies in, in yeah, Eleven. That was an awesome mission. Yeah, a, a, a character that has been, you know, kind of a drift in the, for the last couple of years. And I, I think it was a good way to, to, to take him out. And I think they gave him a very good send off. And I thought that issue was gripping from beginning to end. Uh, I felt like issue 12 was a much more of just a falling action issue. You know, we got stuff. And I, my only problem with issue 12 is I feel like where we dealt with decompressed storytelling for 11 issues, mm-hmm. 12 is very compressed. 12 is like, Tony, who has been sitting in the same room for ten issues, yeah. ten issues, all of a sudden knows what to do. You know, figures it out and goes. They have to combine their powers. They have to do this. They do this. 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 We're done. Okay, we're all solved. I think that storytelling is too quick. I, I I think that you need to develop the the hope, Scarlet Witch things over a couple issues. If that's going on in the background for a while, then it means more. Right. We had hope training with Iron Fist. Yeah. For it seemed like an eternity. And the, yeah, and then she does use the Iron Fist powers, and I, I, I like that. You know, she does do the No More Phoenix, but she couldn't have done that herself. The Scarlet Witch couldn't have gone out there and said No More Phoenix, and it would have been over. She needed hope to learn the Iron Fist power to, and then to take the the Phoenix power mm-hmm. to then create what they did. And I like that idea. I like the idea that maybe now Marvel won't be able to fall back on the Phoenix as a big time threat just out of nowhere now because it's gone. Mm, no dispersed. It's, it's, dispersed it's in someone's eyes already we've already yeah in... mm. so i mean we'll see what happens um you know i i really like hope as a character i i i, I find myself wanting to read more about her and, and read stuff with her because i find her to be it, it's funny because she's in a in a lot of ways sort of like the Kane character in scarlet spider where she's had this thing hanging over her head her entire life and now she doesn't have it anymore so what is she going to do you know, um, I'm anxious to see what happens with that. Mm. Uh, you know, my problem my problem with the book is that there's so many... You take the two teams with the most characters in the Marvel Universe and you put them together and then you're bound to give short shrift to characters. And, and by trying to give time to a lot of characters, I don't think any character particularly gets enough time to be the central mm-hmm. you know, figure in the story. I wish there was one character who was the, the thrust of the story. You know, Scott is sort of, I think Scott gets the most time. He's the villain of the story, but he gets the most time. Um, you know, Cap doesn't get a lot of time. Tony doesn't get all that time. Mm-hmm. Hope doesn't get that much time. You know, Wolverine doesn't get that much time. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the main weakness of it. And also the weakness of it is, it's Avengers versus X-Men. By the end of it, that's not what it is anymore. It is what all these stories end up being, which is a bigger threat emerges, and the two teams really kind of become friends, or at least begrudging allies to defeat the thing so uh you know that 
that's the more typical ending that I I didn't really I didn't really love that is that that's what happened. I would have you know obviously the Phoenix Five ends up on the other side and we don't know where they are and what they're doing, but I would have liked to see some of these other characters stick on the side of Scott maybe even if, even if he's in the wrong. I think that makes more interesting dynamics and what you know because to, to some extent Scott is not exonerated of the things he did, but he was inhabited by a force that is much more powerful than him that he could not control. So to some extent, Scott is, while he's not, he doesn't, he doesn't forsake all culpability, he is not fully in his own power for what the decisions he made. But if you have somebody else who isn't in their right mind, I think that's a more interesting take mm-hmm. to me. I, I don't know. Well, well, to me though, when he now is acting so smug about mm-hmm. what happened, not that he should now be right back to the Scott from the middle 60s, mm-hmm. but if he were nothing but possessed and then came yeah. back to, that was a mistake, mm-hmm. I, I, it got away from me, I thought I could do good mm-hmm. with this power, and I was corrupted, as Jean was before. Mm-hmm. And she appears to him yeah. in that lovely panel. Yeah. But he's not. He's acting as now because he's not possessed, he's a bigger jerk than he was before. I know, I agree with you. He is a jerk. He's absolutely a jerk. Uh and his whole thing is, you know, I was right. You know, if if the Avengers had just stayed out of our way, had let Hope become the Phoenix, this would have happened anyway. You know, that, that's kind of what he what yeah. his, his thinking is. We you, we went through all of this, all of this destruction happened because you got in my way. Yeah, you know? Which which is a bad read because he saw what the Phoenix could do. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm not saying yeah. Todd is right, but I'm saying this is the opinion he's coming at. Oh, yeah, right, absolutely. Right, which is, which is, I was right all along. I told you, this is not going to destroy the world. This is going to come here and it's going to make things better. And you got in my way. You did all this weird stuff to this force and you caused all this destruction by doing that. You know? Um, I Spare Charles, kill Scott would have been better? Maybe, but I think it's, from for me personally, in a, in a narrative sense, it's more interesting to see a character come back from a brink. You know, you know, to have Scott come back in the place he is right now to maybe become uh, the the person he was or find himself again. Maybe you know, with his future, his past self coming back, with Gene coming back. You know, because in that moment where you that those panels where you you know you see him, it's it's clear, and he I'm not even sure if this is in AVX or this is in Uncanny. Uh, he talks about the fact that he started to lose his way once Gene was gone. You, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I I think it's interesting to see when the heaven that comes back in all new X-Men. You know, like always, you know, we talk about them putting Wolverine in books because they want to make money. He's still a fascinating character and I I love what, what he's going through at this point. And it, they address that in consequences a little bit which he says, you know, I got out there and I said all these nice things about healing and whatever, but this is not what if I see him, I'm going to kill him. You know, and I, I find that to be a very interesting thing. I think Wolverine is still... I think Wolverine... It, it's my biggest regret for the series is that Wolverine was not a bigger part of what hap- ended up happening. They just relegated him to basically him running at the Phoenix, trying to kill it and continuously getting his skeleton yeah. burned out to a skeleton. Um, I don't know. I mean, Steve, do you have anything else you want to say about about it? Not really. No, I'm uh, I'm done on it. I just, uh, you know, it was interesting. It was mm. fun. It was at times. At times, it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. There were, like you said, issue number eleven was was great. Right. I just wish that that greatness could have continued throughout. Right. You know, twelve issues of something 
it's not a whole lot long that you can't make things measure up. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm not saying every issue has to be absolutely stellar, but I mean, I would have to read it again, but like four out of 12 is not a good number, no. you know? And I know that there's all the spinoffs and whatnot, mm-hmm. but I just, I don't know. I, I, I just really, really hope that with Marvel now coming in, that it will have been worth it mm-hmm. and that what happened carries weight throughout these other things and it doesn't get retconned and, you yeah. know, it's really, it's, you know, you've done it. It's, you know, now, now what are you, what are you going to do with it? Yeah. You know? Yeah, move some new drama from this. Don't, let's yeah. not keep re- go, uh, going over this ground mm-hmm. again just, and again and again. I want like, I want some fun. Like, let's, let's, let's get back to the fun. Like, I feel like everything, I mean, obviously, you know, Charles is dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cyclops continues to be an asshole and it's, now he's an even bigger yeah. asshole. Uh, imagine that. And, uh, I don't know. Like, I want to. I don't want it to be sad. I want it to. I want people start working together again. I'm hoping that Avengers and X Men that they had to they had to bond together in order to you know at the finale of this that that mentality will carry out to the other books and we're not going to see so much squabbling anymore. Well, you look at the teams on the books now. I mean, you look at Hickman taking over Avengers. You look at Fraction going to Fantastic Four, and you look you look at the tone that's in FF. You know, just mm-hmm. we saw in the Marvel Point One. You look at Young Avengers, the tone that seems to be happening there, and what he said about that book. Um, something there's definitely going to be in those central books, fun to be had, and a, a lighter yeah. tone. It seems like that is kind of being taking over, and that's one of the things that when they talk about making Marvel now more like the movie universe, the movie universe is full of fun. Yeah, mm-hmm. you, you know, so maybe that's a good thing. Well, as as I've said repeatedly, we, we're looking at those movies. A hundred million people paid mm-hmm. ten bucks to see the Avengers. Mm-hmm. Some of those people would read books if they reflected mm-hmm. those attitudes, as opposed to what we've just encountered for a year. Right. And I will say this: the what the thing that Marvel does that's different than DC, and you know, say it for bad or for worse, when they start out story points, they are going to finish them off. They are not going to abandon them because they're because you know things maybe start to get a little bogged down. Maybe some people don't like it. They have a plan. They're going to start out. They're going to finish it. They're not going to do what DC does, which DC just goes, okay, boom. <laughs> you yeah. know, all these are done. Reboot. Yeah, which somebody can be a good thing. You get a fresh start. You get some good stuff. But, you know, this is the Marvel way, and this is how they do things. And you, I, I think that they're, they've obviously let a lot of stuff run its course. Obviously, they, they've been doing... If you listen to what Alan said, you know they've been doing this for six years now, or whatever it is. Yeah, which now you got to remember, this is Marvel time. So this seven years that we've been reading these storylines happened in the course of a year. Right. Yeah. That's the worst year Earth's ever had <laughs> since the dinosaurs got taken out. If you ask me. So yeah, and it's interesting. You see, Marvel has done this event. DC has kind of avoided doing a big universe-spanning event while they've built the fifty-two. But there's one coming. The the Trinity War thing is coming. It's going to happen. You know, they've gotten by, I think they've kind of staved off this criticism because they've done, like, family-related events. They've done, they're doing a Superman event, they've done Batman events, mm-hmm. but they haven't done a universe event. They're going to be doing it soon, so I'll be interested to see how they handle it in the wake of this new 52. It'll be the new new 52 now that they've won this lawsuit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so... Um, that's it for the the spoiler part of Avengers versus X Men. X Men. Um, again, I talked about before the trades coming out. So if you ha- you you want it, I mean, it has a lot of content in it. So who knows how much it's going to be? Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely is definitely worth the read. It'll mm-hmm. definitely set you up for everything that's going to happen over the next even the next couple of years. 
I really, I mean, it is going to have a huge impact. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, definitely still check it out. Yeah. Should we put a letter grade to it? C minus. C minus for you? Yeah. Do you want to throw a letter grade on it? I'd, I'll go with that. For me, to me, it's, I think it's a C plus to a B minus. I, I enjoyed it, and I think also by the benefit of me kind of abandoning the spinoff issues that I did not really care much about, I think I enjoyed it more because I wasn't bogged down by all, as much of the sure. yeah, makes sense. the Jerry Reed continuity and stuff like that. I, I, I would say what I've learned from this is that if you're reading a book and events coming up and there are all these spinoffs, just read the ones that you kind of want to read. Don't worry about reading them all. I would be very curious for me personally to sit down with zero through 12 and just read it as is yeah. without yeah. all the distractions because I still have AVX uh, banner issues that I haven't read yet mm-hmm. of things. And then I it's over and I go back. And even before it was over, you have there's still Phoenix Powers running around mm-hmm. like I they did away with this three issues back in AVX, mm-hmm. but I'm still reading mm-hmm. events that had to yeah. do with when they still had their powers. Mm-hmm. It just got so messed up mm-hmm. after a while. I yeah. couldn't keep track of it anymore. Yeah. No, I agree with you. I, I would like to do that too. I want to sit down and read zero through 12 and see what it feels like as one whole block. Maybe it, maybe it works better. Like some television shows work better if you watch them fully through, mm-hmm. you know, does that make it, does that make it better or worse that they release a month to month or week to week or whatever? Not necessarily. I'm going to give it a C minus pending. Okay. There you go. <laughs> give it a, move it up a half a grade after. After yeah. I, after I, I like to not solidify my opinions <laughs> on things until I've had a chance, at least a second chance to go through them. Uh, so for AVX, with something that does have so much significance in the comic world, I'd like to read it one more time before I decide on a final answer. And I always think about it too. Like, not that this matters because it's our opinions, but you know, we're very far up this situation. Like, you know, we're thinking about it all the time. We're talking about it all the time. We're we're talking, thinking about consequences here, there, here, there. What, how, you know, sometimes I, I think it's nice if you would just give it a little time to go back and read it because maybe you you know you have a different kind of a clearer head about it. You know, you're not so meta about it. You know, and I, I think that happens sometimes, especially with us. Uh, could be, but when when you read. Other epics when you yeah. were reading uh, the owls, yeah, did you feel no, no, absolutely not. Right. I, I, I don't, and it's not as good as that. Not even close or to as good as that. Rot World has been awesome. Rot World's been great, you know. And these, are, but these are gonna, these are smaller events that take place in the universe of maybe one or two books and not universe spanning. I mean, those are just better, you know. Maybe that's the case. They're just better, you know. But I know, like going reading Blackest Night this year for the first time. Apart, you know, away from whatever was happening when that happened, how it was changing things, what people were thinking about it, reading it week to week, it, it, I loved it. It blew me away. I have no idea how I would have felt about it if I had read it issue to issue mm-hmm. when it was coming out. You, you know, so I just think it's interesting. I'm not saying that. Listen, I don't think that this series is as good as a lot of other events, even other events that I've read. And you really have to kind of base it against those because it's not the same thing as doing a regular monthly book or even a small series. You, you, you base it against Secret Invasion or Civil War or, you know, you know Infinite Crisis or Final Crisis mm. or whatever, you know, whatever. Crisis, gonna, crisis. Or, yeah, crisis, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, Flashpoint yeah. or, you know, whatever. Blackest Night, Brightest Day, whatever you want to you put it against. I think you have to judge it in, uh, against those and I don't think... I don't think it's as good. Here's the thing. I think that the DC events, I've, from what I've read, usually I think come off a little better because they feel a little bit more significant and a little bit more isolated. 
You, you know what I mean? Well, they isolate themselves. Unfortunately, their events are good, but yeah. then they retcon their events away. Yeah, yeah, exactly. When you when I read Civil War, I feel like there's stuff before Civil War I need to read. There's stuff after Civil War I should be reading. I don't feel like it's a closing off of an event. I feel like it's just a storyline that's meant to bring you in to force you to read other things. Right, but only on that basis, the one thing that keeps it as a C- minus and not worse is it does seem as if these events will take pl- continue to take place within the universe. They, yeah. they will have some weight. Mm-hmm. DC's, every one of these events, from the first one out where they were going to fix their continuity, everyone ends up not counting. Yeah. And all those old stories are still there. You can go back and read your 60s mm-hmm. books as I do, and, and that's great. But if you invested the time and energy to read Crisis or legends or mm. zero hour why right they don't they don't matter and so we have the new 52 that may not end up being the new 52 forever we already right. reintroduced earth 2 we've got the grant morrison thing coming mm. multiversity mm-hmm. what what happens next does all of it matter right if you want to say each year is a volume and you just read a year's worth of books and it doesn't continue year year in year out that's great mm-hmm but you're still then forcing people to read books and now you box away somewhere. <laughs> They're their own little self-contained universe for a year and you move on. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, there's a lot of big questions and, and I think AVX points out a lot of things, a lot of questions we talk about with the industry as a whole, you know, and the model and how it works, you know. And I, I think we'll continue to ask those questions as we go along, but I think this was a good discussion about AVX and uh, you guys who stayed around, thank you for listening to us talk and uh, we will see you next week. What? <laughs>